So we now have 45 seconds of work versus 15 seconds of transition, 10 exercises, two times the list. Okay. So, so if you did seven stations in the first one, six with a one minute rest, three rounds, that's a 21 minute density versus in here, two times through the list with 45 seconds and a 15 second rest, that's 20 minutes. It's a minute less, but this is a way more intense workout. This is way more dense. There's no rest. This is a grind, man. This is hard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Shift Show, where my number one goal is bringing tools, ideas, and the latest science to help you change gymnast lives. My name is Dave Tilly, and today on the podcast, we have something that is highly anticipated and has been highly asked for from many people in the community, and I have been working like crazy to try and line up this uh, podcast with Dan Lonsdale again on this topic. And for those that are unfamiliar, Dan is a great strength conditioning coach uh, over in the UK who is... Uh, highly specialized in working with gymnastics. He works with uh, multiple clubs and consults on strength and conditioning regularly. He has quite a traditional SNC background from working in rugby and many other college sports uh, in his past kind of career, but has uh, done quite a bit of work with Nick Ruddick and gotten involved with him five years back. And so now is uh, moving in very successfully, uh, running his own business for consulting with strength and conditioning and helping the gymnastics world learn more about the strength and conditioning principles and kind of the best way to apply them to help gymnasts stay uh, on high performance uh, pathways, but then also with uh, health in mind and things of that nature. So for those that maybe missed a couple of episodes, Dan has two of the most downloaded episodes uh, that we've ever done, uh, one of which is on lower body power and how we develop strength and power and speed and uh, plyometric stiffness for gymnastics development. And then we also did a follow-up to that, which was kind of on upper body performance. So we had a long episode breaking down you know, what goes into the upper body, specifically the shoulder, about how do you get really flexible shoulders? How do you build strength? How do you build quick twitch muscle fiber explosiveness and plyometrics and kind of package that all up into into performance and skills and stuff like that. So after those two episodes did really, really well, um, many people have been asking about, you know, what am I doing with our strength conditioning program uh, for the next eight weeks, if not, you know, uh, 12 or 16 weeks, four months leading through coronavirus? And how are we going to rebuild the athletes safely back to the point where they can do hard training and high level skills? And so um, I'm in the process of really overhauling a lot of the methodology and the principles that we use at our gym in terms of at a, at a macro level, which will come out down the road. But one of the big things we're doing is we're really using this opportunity to map out step-by-step strength and conditioning principles for how do we develop the concepts around power and plyometrics and things like that? How do we use periodization uh, principles in our current landscape of scientific literature to apply them in gymnastics? And what can we take away from, you know, coronavirus break time that we can use as an advantage down the road? So I'm actively in the process of of instigating or sorry, implementing all of these different um, ideas. And I think that people would really be uh, you know, find benefit in in hearing exactly what I'm doing to change things versus what they might have heard in the past. And so I asked Dan to come on because Dan obviously works so much with gymnastics that he has a really valuable opinion. We we break it down. We go exactly through why we're choosing what we're choosing, what movements, what exercises, what are the workouts, what are the cardio workouts, how many days per week, um, what are we doing with different levels and hours and ramp up. And um, I wanted to put this together because there's a lot of people who are either just starting out in their kind of return to gymnastics progression. Some people are in a little bit farther, a couple months. Um, Some people are just going to be starting in the end of July uh, abroad. And so I feel like people might really have a lot of value from this if they have uh, some ideas and some templates about how to work with. So 
Uh, if you guys enjoy this episode, please do me a massive favor and just share it on social media. You know, tweet at us, let us know what your favorite part was, put a screenshot up on Instagram or Snapchat, um, toss it up on Facebook at the blog post. Whatever you can do, it really helps quite a bit to get the information to more people. Uh, and also, please just rate and review it on iTunes because uh, the podcast has been growing exponentially in the last month or so. Thanks to everybody listening. I truly appreciate that. Um, but the more we can get the ratings up, the more people can see it and they can maybe realize that there's some good stuff in here that they can uh, use to help themselves and help the athletes they work with. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful chat with Dan Lonsdale. My man, Dan Lonsdale, favorite human on the earth, one of them. What's up, man? How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. Spot on. Just bantering in front of the podcast saying how we're, uh, trying to get back to full work and we'd like to be working all of our life again and whatever this new normal is uh we are crash coursing our way through it like everybody else yeah exactly the same <laughs> just getting back in that gym as, yeah. soon as, as soon as possible we had our so, uh sorry go ahead yeah as soon as possible just get me back i want to yeah. be back now yeah we had our first i guess full practice quote unquote which was like you know part of it was just rules and regulations but then we actually had like kids in the gym and like you know it's so weird at first but then it was like man, it felt so good just to see him again. And like, they were so happy to be there and their parents were so happy. Like we are crazy yeah. about cleaning and rules and regulations. And so like the parents, all their fears were completely alleviated because we just go nuts. And uh, yeah, it was a really good, really good moment just to see a small group of them back training and just like to see how happy they were to finally be out of the house and, and doing stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shows how much you miss it. Like, you know how much it means to you when you miss it, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Not long. If you're in the UK, not long now. So. <laughs> yeah. And I will say that we, uh, obviously the competition side of things are way up in the air and this is just like the next eight weeks for us is like, let's just get back in here, have fun, do gymnastics, enjoy each other again, like all that kind of stuff. So it was really cool. Cause it's like the roots of like why I coach, right. Just like helping people through tough times, social community bonding, like competitions aren't even on my yeah. radar at all right now. So it's just cool just to be there and not have a care about like all oh, the next, the next you know, training blocks around the corner. We got to rush to, or like, oh, we got to rush to the next meet. And so, I'm really enjoying just like the like the vibe. You know, it's like the version of like when you're at the lake house and you're just chilling. It's just everything's like in flow mode. That's how I yeah. feel coaching right now. I'm just like, man, this is just like let's do gymnastics, have fun, like just enjoy it. Yeah, just everyone's in a good mood. I can imagine. I think it'll be really similar here. Is just everyone's just happy to be back and just around each other and mm. coaching and having banter again. So. Yeah. No- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even for us, man, it's like six hours, six hours a week, like a couple of three hour practices, like side stuff here and there. We're doing some virtual stuff still, but it's like, man, just like real face to face contact, even if it's six feet apart through a mask is it goes wonders. You know what I mean? Incredible. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yes, my man. Well, we are uh, currently, like I said, getting back into it. I think we're the, the thing is here is we're all over the map. We have some that are not started yet like in your side of the pond we have some here in the states where we just started like myself and harder hit areas we have some gyms that have been going for a month we have some gyms that have been going for six weeks and so i think everybody is kind of either knowing they have to get through the shock and awe phase of like this is how we clean everything all the time but like everyone is really thinking about okay we're going to get back into it so like what are we going to do for our practices and everybody knows how important it is to really focus on flexibility and basics, mental health, you know, physical preparation, like, cause it's unsafe to do high level gymnastics right now. And so we're going to have to go through a pretty extensive block here of retraining and seeing what's going on. And, you know, I think I've definitely seen some concerning things that I think are, are prominent, but I don't think it's everybody. I think most people are doing exactly what they should be doing. And, you know, there's always going to be a small percentage of people who fly against what is recommended by the experts. But I think for the most part, most, majority of people are 
doing a great job being careful about their hours and ramping up, but they're just really overwhelmed and they're a little lost on what to do with their time and how to safely go about, you know, strength and conditioning. And, and there's great workload documentations coming out, great workload hours. You know, we know the quality of the hours is just as important as the quantity of the hours. But a lot of people now are like, okay, well, I'm back in the gym eight hours and now what do I do? Like, what do I do in terms of fitness? What do I do in terms of drills and stuff? And I think most people have a good arsenal of drills to do basics and stuff. But I really think people are struggling. I get a lot of emails and a lot of DMs and you're probably in the same boat. People who are like, I don't know how to approach this, this 45 minute strength block. What should I be doing? Like, I, I don't want to do plyos because it's too intense. I, I don't think the power stuff's going to be safe right now, but they're really struggling with what to do. And so I wanted to have you on because you are not only one of my like left-hand people in the strength conditioning world that we, we geek out a lot and talk about this stuff, but you're actively in the trenches with people doing this. You're helping people literally write their programs as a consultant and, and putting people through like, hey, this is what we're doing week two, week three. You're writing programs. And so I think between the two of us, we might have some value advice to help maybe ease some of the tension that people have. So that's why I wanted to have you on, my man. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. I hope so as well. I hope I, hope I have some knowledge in there that's going to gonna help but yeah it's it, it's been a really interesting time like obviously i've been watching quite closely about people who are you know other countries that have, have started in returning to, to gymnastics and what they're doing and having conversations so it's super super useful that you're sort of back in action because then we can you know we can like we don't know what's going to happen until you go back right so mm-hmm. we're sort of blessed that we're gonna find out what everyone else has been doing but yeah it's um just been writing some programs for, you know, I'm very fortunate that I still work with, you know, a lot of the clubs that I had before, before lockdown. It's because um, you're, it's cause you're a stud. Yeah. Just got, and also just the gyms I work with are amazing. So shout out to those guys, but no, the, you know, it's, I think obviously lots of people are going to be going back and, and they're, they're going to be worried about what's going to, how do you get to power is the question I'm getting a lot of. So mm-hmm. like what, they know they need to get there, but where's the starting point? Like, what do you begin with? You know, and I think, I think this conversation will be super useful of just maybe just clearing up and sort of clearing the path for people to to lay some good foundation down. You know, before getting on to the good stuff, which we all, you know, we all love and enjoy, which is the power work. So, mm. yeah, absolutely, and and definitely if you're if you're new to the podcast and if you've not really uh, heard Dan and I's previous discussions, we have pretty in depth, lanky discussions on upper extremity, so upper body and lower body. Um, not even a blueprint, but just a guide, you know, we don't have all the answers. We're not preaching. Like we have the golden answer, but we definitely have a lot of experience writing strength programs, working with strength programs from, from the injury and the sports performance side of things. So we've done an entire flexibility through strength, through power, through energy systems for the upper body and lower body. So if you're, if you want more of a good primer on this about like the exact underpinnings, we're not going to dive into like a lot of the geeky science today that we did in those ones more want to keep it practical for people. But if you're really into that and you want to know why we're choosing certain exercises or why we recommend these things. I'm going to show um, four articles that I think are really helpful today and we'll discuss those. But if you want a, a really good background primer, you should you should just get a cup of coffee or tea with that and, and sit down for an hour and a half because I think, I think those were two of the most popular episodes that we had well received you know no offense next to next to next to nick because nick dominates some of these too but um, but i think that um that would be really good for people if they're going through this and they're like hmm i like this but i'm a little bit i'm a little bit muddy on why he what this exercise is or like what's the reason for these sets and rep ranges yeah exactly and i think every chat we always have is we're just trying to you know, like you said, don't take it as gospel, go and go and read about it and listen to other people and make your own mind up. But, 
I just quite like that it's just talking about what we find useful, what we mm. think works, and what we think you know the principles of training are, and, yeah. and and how they how they fit into a gymnastics environment, and and that's ever changing. But you know, I think it's nice that you know we're, we're willing to share ideas and, and bounce ideas off each other. So you know, I, f- I find it useful. So yeah, man, absolutely. I'm I'm learning endlessly between you know what you teach me, what Nick teaches me, what I read about, and some of the authors that we'll talk about. You're lucky to kind of have a good working relationship with. So you see this stuff at a ground level from these kind of UK authors. Um, and I think a really good place to start, and, and we were we were texting back and forth about this is, in my, again, I'm very grateful at this point in, in my career with Shift is that I have a lot of working relationships with higher level division uh, one universities and um, some JO and elite programs that are pretty successful. And so we have pretty regular conversations about strength and conditioning coaches roles and what the balance there is and kind of how they work as a team. And I was having a had a really good discussion, a two-hour discussion with a pretty a pretty prominent um, university and strength coach, and he was just talking about how, you know, there's there's a really important communication dynamic between the strength conditioning coach and the the sport coach and the medical provider and the parents and all it is about what the role of strength and conditioning is. And I and the joke that you and I were making is, um, I think the stigma still around strength conditioning in terms of the general side is sometimes it's like an annoyance. It's like this, like, ugh, like we have to do a general day or like we don't have time for these general exercises. And the viewpoint, I think, and this is not as prominent in the JO world, but it happens more in the coaching or the college side. And it trickles down is that, you know, I think the sport coaches sometimes view the athletes as what we call a glass cannon. And I have no shame that that's a video game reference from my childhood, a shout out Diablo of my whole life, my brother. But um, the glass cannon analogy is that you have someone who's like this just phenomenal sport athlete they're very high highly successful for gymnastics for baseball for whatever and strength and conditioning is 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 viewed as this thing that is going to break them and that might be a high risk high reward thing because you know they see people front squatting and they haven't done that before or they see people doing some really aggressive plyometrics that are general and the sport coaches get a little nervous of that it's like well, well don't break them like i need them to be i need them to be tip-top shape and i completely understand from a coaching point of view because you have your 14 athletes and scholarship and you only have a small team and you have a mix and match lineup. And if you lose one of your big athletes, that's going to really pull down your potential for a team score. So I, I get that approach, but I think that narrative is still very much um, trickled in our, in our culture that the athletes, the gymnasts themselves are going to break if they do gymnastics, non-gymnastics strength conditioning, and that we can be really careful about that. So we don't really push their envelope of capacity. We're scared to do these harder strength drills. We're scared to do these longer power blocks that are like three, four, five weeks that are really hard. And I think the problem there is that you realize that gymnastics is already so hard that these kids are so durable and you're already, you're building a resilient athlete through that. And strength and conditioning is an amazing tool and vessel to get you back faster to the things you want to do, right? Like we're not saying you shouldn't be doing gymnastics specific conditioning or you shouldn't be doing gymnastics plyos. You shouldn't be doing all the shaping. It's about the timing and when you put that in the timeline versus what's the percentage of general versus uh, gymnastics strength, right? And how you tease that back in. If you follow the principles we'll talk about and the science behind it, you're actually going to probably get back faster and more safely to the things you really want to do. High tumbling, big vaulting, higher repetitions, longer workouts, right? With more capacity. And the, the alternative viewpoint to that is a, is a concept that's really popular in the strength world from um, Nissan Talib, I think his name is, is like an anti-fragile, right? And that's a system that or a person or an object that gets stronger when you put the right amount of stress on it, right? So don't view your gymnast coming back from quarantine. I'm guilty of this, right? We're doing our first practice and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm a little nervous right now. Don't view them as these like 
glass pieces that are going to bust if you put too much on top of them. The right dosage is going to be exactly what you need. View them as someone who you have to respect the dosage and get back safely in a timeline, which we'll talk about. But this is actually one of the best pathways back to the things you really want to do, even if it doesn't look gymnastics-y, if that makes sense. So yeah, what are your thoughts on all that? Because that's a lot there, but I think that's a really important concept before we kind of layer this. Yeah, I think like, you know, the... Uh, even even as an SNC coach, like I'm aware of a lot of the things I do don't look like gymnastics, right? Yeah. So, uh, but the one thing, you know, I, I try and do is make sure that it's not just me who's delivering the session and, you know, you're doing it because I say so. Mm. It's, it's we're doing it because we all have an understanding about what we're trying to achieve in that block of training. Why are we choosing this particular exercise over that exercise? Um, so, you know, for, for me, like that coach relationship and that's the discussion we were having, wasn't it? As we were talking about having a strong relationship with your coaching team or your multidisciplinary team, so physios included and, and whoever else is involved is vital because when you start to talk about threading in like things that are specific and things that aren't specific as in like that look like gymnastics, you know, that's when you have to work together to find out when's the right time with that, who's mm. going to deliver it how much are we all doing together? Because actually that's the important question as well. Mm. And how am I delivering? How much of it are you delivering? And it's, and when you think about all of those things I've just said that that's all communication. That's all it is, is just speak to each other, have meetings, send emails, bounce ideas off each other, send each other plans, have a plan to begin with would be good, you know, and then, and that's always a great starting point. And then when you're talking about the sort of general and specific, you know, if you think of things that, you know, if you think about transfer of training, so you have something that is near transfer. So something that is as close to the sport as possible. And those are the specific exercises in the shape. Okay. But then there's things that are far transfer. So things that are far away from the sport, but will still transfer. And that's where, you know, this general prep that we're talking about is going to come in. So building some strength, building some capacity, because those things, like you said, are going to build that robust, durable athlete who can then tolerate training, who will be able to perform training at a higher quality, you know, be able to recover from training at a good rate rather than it taking a long time to digest that training. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's the, the general stuff isn't always the sexy stuff, but it actually, that's your first step, you know, on the ladder to get you to where you want to go. And you, you know, everyone has got to buy into that, including the coaching team and, the, mm. you know, the SNC staff and the physios and the athletes themselves in order to, to understand the journey. We're on our way now, but we need to do some sensible training before we, before we get going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people had a really good, um, maybe eye opener to what, what can be possible with general training and stuff like that. The quarantine, a lot, a lot of people do virtual workouts and they were doing a lot of just general circuits, right? Like there were a lot of people that followed the programming I put out or other people. And it was really like, had some gymnastic stuff in there for sure. Don't get me wrong. Like it was, it was had some specificity, but at the same time, a lot of that was just general conditioning, general strength, just keeping the body moving and keeping your flexibility and stuff. And I think it was a really good opportunity right here for people to, if you were ever on the fence about trying to reach out to a strength coach and say like, Hey, could you help me out lead some workouts or, or teach me some things? Or can we find a partnership together? It was a phenomenal opportunity to do it because you have low hours where you're probably, and this is personally for me speaking is we're really trying to maximize our like event time when we're in the gym we're trying to maximize our warm-up our our gymnastics specific conditioning and we're doing our events time and stuff like that but we're only allowed in the gym so many hours and so what we're doing is we're trying to fill in continual virtual sessions a few times per week as we ramp up through the summer over our eight weeks to allow the kids to kind of do it and we're going to be using a lot of these general 
two, you know, two virtual general uh, sessions via Zoom with myself and my other um, partner coach, Mel. Um, obviously, I'm a strength coach, so I can do this, but we're going to be doing our general days more virtually uh, when the kids are home and we can't be in the gym hours wise. And then we're going to do more of our gymnastic stuff the two days kind of in our events as our basics. That's the majority of what we're doing. Basics, flexibility, you know, dance, you know, safety stuff. But um, as we ramp up, that is gymnastics specific stuff. And then we're doing virtual. But man, if you if you are looking for someone to help you out, I know a lot of strength coaches who need a job right now or need some extra money. Um, but but also you can very easily just pop up a Zoom session with your with 10 of your kids and mm-hmm. have the strength coach come involved. You guys obviously would talk beforehand, but have them yep. kind of lead a combination hybrid workout and you you can learn from each other you can watch how things go you can listen to them coach and cue and you can see how they build workouts and it can foster a really good relationship and then use this as a, as a catapult to slowly get that relationship growing to get them to come to the gym when it's safe right and when you're allowed to get back is like hey can you can we do one virtual session now that we're allowed in the gym four days per week and do one where you come in and maybe the last half of a practice you lead the kids through a one day per week general workout, right? We're going to go two days per week, general workouts, three days per week, gymnastic specific workouts as we get back to that full thing for our five days full schedule by the a month and a half, whatever it is. Um, but I think like now, if, if you were ever nervous about it, like you should, you should completely jump on the opportunity. Yeah. I think now's the time. Like, you know, like you said, be worried about contacting these guys because one, we're super grateful yeah. <laughs> for the work. Yeah. Um, and it is just really, you know, having having gone through it and still in like some sort of lockdown right now, you know, constantly communicating with the coaches that I'm working with and, and doing Zoom sessions with my athletes and, you know, then some of the, the coaches leading those and things like that. It's, it's only brought that relationship closer mm. because you have an understanding of each other's world a lot more because you're having to share it. Right. Um, and and I think the idea of doing some virtual stuff on the way back is probably a good way if you don't have an SNC coach already to sort of, like you said, phase into um, having one or, mm. you know, getting advice from one regularly or monthly or whatever it may be. I think that's a great way. Um, you know, the gyms that I work with, I'll be, I'll be going in um, yeah. and, you know, I'll be, I'll be popping in and we'll be putting things in place, but you know, I will, I will just be going in maybe once a week you know, I'm not going to be there every single day. It's important that they, they go back to the environment that they were in before, which right. was, wasn't me being there all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be there once a week, sort of making sure things are okay and, and, and checking on volume and intensity of things and, and, and sort of tweaking the program as needed. Mm. Because I think one thing I've been thinking, um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on it is like, I just don't think like no great plan ever survives first impact. And <laughs> yeah. You're going to have oh, the yeah. lovely polished program ready to rock. And then, you know, it might be two weeks and I think it's important for things and, and subtle changes to be made, particularly if it's too hard or too yeah, much or, sure. or, whatever, right? or, or not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or vice versa. You know, we could totally underspin it or we could totally overcook it. And I think you're only going to know um, once you're in, but as long as you've got that plan to begin with, I think you're okay. I think you're along the right lines. Mm. Yeah. So. Very well. Well, that's definitely some good intro and stuff like that. I think the first thing to start with is I want to show this, this four papers that I think are really useful for people right now. Um, and I'll review them, but we're going to reference them throughout the podcast in the next hour or so. So the first of which is a 2009 paper that I'll show in a sec. Um, if you're in the audio form, these will be linked on the YouTube video or you know wherever you want to get them. This are, uh, three of these are open access. I think one of them you might have to find uh, via Strength Coach and the Strength Coaching Journal just came out. So, um, But this one is from 2009 and it's a uh, Strength training for children and adolescents, raising the bar for young athletes. Um, it's from 2009, but it has some really good ideas about 
timelines in, in the risk to reward and dispelling a few of the myths around, you know, kids strength training, especially younger kids who are in that kind of 12. So that's one. The second one we'll talk about um, is a monstrous systematic review that came out in 2017. This is for the geeks out there. This is for like the Dan eyes of the world who want to really dig into the weeds. But it's a uh, um, Bem and Young, and it came out in Frontiers of Physiology, but effectiveness of traditional strength versus power training on muscle strength, power mm-hmm. and speed with the youth, a systematic review and meta-analysis. So that is the second one. We'll talk about some stuff. And the third one, which is actually, I think, really awesome. I'm not all the way through it, but I'm close. And this is uh, someone who you're familiar with, but Anthony Turner and Paul Comfort and company put out a monstrous. This is real recent, just came out in 2020, I believe in June. Yeah, this this month's strength conditioning journal, um, developing powerful athletes part one, which is mechanical underpinnings and then developing power athletes part two, which is practical applications. And I think, man, if there was ever a time when you needed a helpful kind of, I mean, these are both nine, eight pages with, with references, seven pages. So they summarize so much good. Those guys are beasts, man. I've read their, their chapters and textbooks. So for them to give you seven pages of here's what you need to know, like you should be jumping on the opportunity for that. So, yeah, yeah, no, great, great stuff. There's some reading in there that I love as well. You know, you send it through, I was like, oh, <laughs> flag that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's added to the reading list that's ever growing. So, yep, yep. All right, so let's. I'll try to zoom in this one so people can see it. But I, I, I mean, obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna review these articles as peer reviewed lit reviews. But yeah. anytime you read an article, you should never take what the person says. You should go through and read everything: the methodology, look at the statistics, look at the way it's framed, um, and just look at the the studies that are referenced. Right. And so, I just wanted to, the conclusion here. And I'm never the person to just read the conclusion, but in the sake of time for our discussion, so. They essentially go through and talk about a lot of the myths associated with pre-adolescence and adolescence and strength training. There's a lot of concerns about growth plate injuries and injuries and bulk and stuff like that. So there's two things that are really important here. One is related to the effects that can happen with kids and then also the timeline, which is a very important thing we're going to talk about. And two is, I think is hilarious. Not no, Nobody can injure this hilarious, but the reasons they quote for why people did get hurt in these studies. So it says that uh, children can improve strength by 30 to 50% after just eight to 12 weeks of a well-designed strength training program. Youth need to continue at least two times per week to maintain strength. The case reports of injuries related to strength training, including epiphyseal uh, plate fracture and lower back injuries are primarily attributed to the misuse of equipment, inappropriate weight, improper technique and a lack of qualified adult supervision. So what are your initial thoughts on that, Dan? Just because I have some thoughts, but I really want to hear what you think. You know, there's two, two things that jump out and we'll start sort of back to front really is the injuries and how they were caused. Right. And, and the, you know, the, the, the myths definitely need dispelling more and more, but you know, we're all trying to is all of those things are avoidable yeah. right, right off the bat. So you don't, you know, we're not, as long as you're aware of what's going on and you're being sensible with what you're doing and you potentially have someone who is qualified, you know, you're lucky enough to have someone who's qualified to teach that stuff there. All that risk is, is done to mitigate it, you know? Yeah. And then the other one is that the timeline, eight to 12 weeks, you know, we're not talking three to four weeks. We're talking, it's going to take some time in order to get these adaptions. Mm. And it's, it's, it's not going to be as quick as all oh, we've done four weeks. Therefore we're all super strong now so we can get going. It's so those were the two things that jumped out is massively avoidable and it's going to take a little bit of time. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think it's funny that you can make the exact, you could plug in this just gymnastics and make the exact same reason for why injuries occur. Right. Like, like case reports related to injuries in, in gymnastics included misuse of equipment, inappropriate load, <laughs> improper technique, and a lack of qualified adult supervision. Like that can happen in any sport if you're being a goon, you know what I mean? But I think it's important to differentiate that um, 
a lot of these injuries are coming from not the tool itself, but the inappropriate application of the tool, you know? And I think that goes for gymnastics specific strength training too. And also for technical work, right? If you go back week two and you're like ready to start getting on a full springboard and do your chancos and, and tumble on hard floor, that's not that gymnastics is dangerous. That's that you're dangerous. You know, I don't want to say it like that because I'm not accusing people, but say, for example, me, I'll take the weight of it. If I go in and I'm like, all right, we're going to do layout step outs week two, and we're going to swing giants and do dismounts. I'm the problem. <laughs> it's not gymnastics is the problem. It's me not respecting that it's going to take six to eight weeks to get back to some of these things for a multiple of reasons, mental, emotional well-being. They're nervous. They're scared. I don't want to mm-hmm. wear a mask when I warm up. <laughs> I don't want, you know what I mean? There's so many things. So keep in mind that regardless of the tool you're using, you have to be realistic about the timelines. I think that eight to 12 weeks is, this is a paper that was made in a normal, you know, non-pandemic world. And I think that it it's obviously going to be applicable because of untrained athletes. I don't remember whether they were talking specifically in the studies about untrained athletes or trained, but if you have three and a half months off from a quarantine, like a lot of these newbie training principles apply because you're, you're, you're essentially really deconditioned. You're not starting over. It's going to come back quicker than you think. And you'll probably be impressed more than you think with what they come back with. But thinking that you're going to do two weeks of basics and then two weeks of really hard strength and start getting into like your advanced power training of plyometrics and sprints and big box jumps and bounding tumbling and these big explosive springboard movements like i really think i really caution you to that because as someone who's made that mistake it doesn't there's a delayed onset effect there's a hangover effect where in those two weeks you don't really notice anything like oh they kind of look okay like it seems like we're going well and like oh i'm tired but and then three, four weeks start to sip in and you're like, oh my, this, like a lot of people's shins are really sore. Like, oh, oh man, people's backs are really cranky right now. And you, and you kick yourself because you, you maybe realized you jumped ahead of the gun. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think, I think even when, you know, the preventative stuff's massive and I agree with everything you've just said. And even before that is there's just so much more low hanging fruit from your strength training to get as well. Mm. So just by skipping that step in order to get more powerful, you know, you're sort of missing, you know, a lot of key qualities that actually may just let your athlete get more powerful anyway, without yeah. having to do, you know, as much power work. So, you know, I think, I think spending some time diligently doing some sensible strength training and building capacity is, you know, it's absolutely fundamental to right now, the situation we're in right now, it's fundamental to, to where we're at. Absolutely. Well said. I, I want to highlight this part too, um, just because I think this is an important part of it, if I can actually highlight with my text here. Um, something else that's important to mention is the method at which we are going to do some of these general things. If you're thinking about a normal fitness gym and what people are doing, then it's not going to go well, right? And this is a good quote from the article. It says, youth strength training programs should ideally incorporate a variety of resistance types, free weights, uh, weight machines, rubber tubing, and medicine balls. Personally, for me, I agree with what they say that free weights and, uh, I'm sorry, um, weight machines pose the most challenge because they're, um, they're usually adult you know, they're made for adults. There's no kids machines, right? So we usually default to kettlebells, med balls, dumbbells, um, and different boxes and, yeah. and things of that nature, because you can put a 12 year old on one box with a smaller weight versus a 15 year old on a, on a higher box with a bigger weight. And it's very adaptable on the fly. I think approaching this from a, a machine point of view is, is really challenging because um, I think we both agree that, you know, movements, not muscles is probably a little bit better to train unless there's sport specificity. But um, we want to make sure that we're doing things that are scalable and appropriate for what they do, which goes back to the original, which is, you know, misuse of the tool. You know, if you put a, a 12-year-old in a 15-year-old program, it's going to be a headache. Yeah. And also, you know, you think about practicality of training is such a, 
you know, you line all your athletes up and there's just such a range stood in front of you, you know, by just having a machine to do that for you, you're going to struggle in order to sort of adapt your program where, you know, if you have a regression and a progression for everything that you're doing, all of a sudden you can have everyone training in mm. the same place, yep. being observed by everyone, but, but just doing subtle differences. And I'm not talking about wholesale changes. I'm talking about very minor adjustments. That means that, you know, athlete A, who is super, you know, super prepared and ready to rock is getting the adaption she needs. Yep. And the athlete B, who maybe needs a little bit more work, is also getting the adaption that she needs from the program. Yep, totally. Very well said. And the last thing that I'll, I'll comment note on this, and I actually, I just pulled up the, like literally the program that I wrote for the first, um, we were a staggered start. So we're bringing like 20 kids at a time based on levels. Okay. And I'll actually yeah. show some examples of some stuff as we get into it. I forgot about that. Um, cool. But just the last thing on this article is, is just a really good section on strength training myths, right? Like we've talked about this extensively. We've reviewed some literature on this in previous podcasts, but um, this does a really good job of summarizing some of the literature up to 2019 that talks about you know, what are the myths of under, of, of strength training in youth and, and things to be worried about. But if you're looking for some, um, some fodder, some defense in your cannon, when people start coming at you, parents or coaches about like, why are you guys, you know, doing some weightlifting one time per week? Like this isn't gymnastics, blah, blah, blah. You can share with them this article, but also there's a 2016, uh, Lawrence review. That's really good about how strength training properly done as part of one piece of a gymnastics program or a sport program can reduce the risk of injury by significant. I think it's 33% is, is what they quoted. So Yep. All right, my man, that sounds good. Anything else to cover on this article before we dive into the actual um, some of the geeks? No, I think it's. I think that's a really good read, and I think like what you said is gives you a bit of bit of information in your back pocket for you know if you do get challenged. But also, you know, as a coach yourself, I probably think it's important to understand why these myths are probably being dispelled. And you know, there's lots of articles out there, but I think that one sums it up really nicely and, and, and succinctly as well. You know, you're not reading a big scientific journal, you know, you're, it's, it's written really nicely. Mm, very well. And so we'll skip over this one, but I just want to raise this again, awareness wise, this was the big systematic review, which if you're unfamiliar with peer reviewed literature is they take all the best studies. They do a very robust review of the evidence. They rule in things that are in or out. And this, this actually came up with 107 really good studies behind this um, this kind of literature from 2017 is when it was uh, published. So this is a lot of the information in here is stuff that Dan and I will be referencing in terms of why we choose certain timelines or what we think about some of the things related to the exercises that we're using. But this is a phenomenal study that has really good, excuse me, really good um, summary of literature. It started from 652 articles and 107 made it through. So if you are looking for in the weeds, you really want to know you know, you like this stuff and you're not just trying to do practical, then I would strongly, strongly suggest this, this systematic review, which is also open access. So any thoughts on that, Dan, before we dive into the, what to do? Yeah, I think, I think if you're looking, like you said, for the devil in the detail, <laughs> you sort of, you can see as you're skimming through it there, there's lots of facts and figures to get stuck into. So if you sort of like ourselves and you like that stuff and you can get your highlighter out and get excited about it, that's your, <laughs> that's your paper to that's yeah. a paper to read about. Yep, absolutely. And I, I think it's important that, you know, this is not like we're flexing on people that we're smart. The, the goal of this is we're in a very um, tumultuous period of gymnastics where things are changing at a rapid rate and they should be changing from the culture, the strength conditioning, how we do flexibility, skill training, long-term athletic development. And there's a lot of noise out there right now. There's a lot of noise from a lot of people who rightfully so, everyone has titled to their opinion, but 
I feel, and many of the best gymnastics sport coaches, I feel you have to follow what the evidence says in terms of, you know, great gymnastics coaches. I know like Nick, for example, he knows his biomechanical underpinnings for why he's choosing certain drills and he understands force, force metrics. And he understands the things that are going into why he chooses this drill or this flexibility Mm -hmm. exercise or this strength program. And so I think that people really need to commit themselves if they want to have positive change they feel confident in they have to commit themselves to reading one of these articles per week or going to a strength conditioning course or listening to nick's inner circle or his master classes and really listening to what he's saying behind the principles not just youtubing drills and not just going off what maybe is in a group that stuff's phenomenal to get some creative spark but you have to really try to go with what the best evidence led suggestions are marry that with your experience marry that with the expert coaches those og gangster coaches who do deserve to tell you you know no this drill might be better for you or like this is how many you should do i think those people have value but then you got to marry that with the person in front of you how the kids are responding and stuff that's what evidence-based practice is all about so i include these because i I think people who really want to take a whack at positive change and have a leg Mm -hmm. to stand on with people who are questioning them um they're going to be able to like well these three articles are are really useful and i think these are recent and they have really good peer-reviewed literature so we're going to change our entire program and go with this uh, and see how it goes. And we're doing that now. We're changing literally our entire program to some stuff that I think gymnastics has never uh, entertained the idea of based off of our experiences, the gymnasts that we coach in really good literature. Yeah. Like you said, that it's, it, it's not just, just the literature, is it? It's, it's the mix of everything is valuing the opinion of everyone. And then having this evidence base to, like you said, be able to push you in the right direction because these things are telling you, you know, particularly like when you know it's papers that have been reviewed how many was it 600 and uh 652 but 107 actually made it through their stringent criteria which is saying something 107 is pretty beast for a systematic review you know so these so papers like this you know they pulled out all the fluff mm-hmm. but really into like what worked and what doesn't and if you know if you start to take that and apply it to your environment however it best suits you know you're in you're in for some actual meaningful change and you have a justification for why you're doing everything that you're doing as well which I think is really important is if you, you know, I'm like inquisitive by nature. So whenever I'm in the gym, I'm sort of just asking questions. I just, I just want to know the answers. And, um, I I like it when just people just boom, just, just firing off justification. It's because of this, or it's because I'm seeing this, or I want to try this, or I want to explore this. So yeah, those, you know, I think it's really cool to have that justification, right, right on the tip of your tongue, ready to go for when you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, the last little piece on this pro and con pro is you have to remember that meta analyses are, are um, kind of a victim to the quality of the studies that are behind them, right? So you get a meta analysis of 10 studies and they're all really crappy studies, then all you have is a crappy meta analysis, right? So uh, not that coaches who are listening to this are going to be trained in peer reviewed literature, but there's a lot of strength coaches and medical providers who love this stuff and they really do it. So maybe hooking up with them and being like, hey, can you make sure this is a good article I should read? Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a negative that that happens, but the good is that when you find an article that's led by really great authors, has good peer reviews, a lot of authors on the same paper, a lot of eyeballs looking at it, you know that what they're doing, a meta-analysis is a, is a, a summary of the data from all these studies. So if they say something as a prominent like consensus statement and it has really good support by it, you know there's a lot of people in a lot of places who have tried that method and have had good results. You're not just going to be flying by the seat of your pants for why you do box jumps or why you do squat jumps or why you do something else. Yeah, yeah totally. Cool, cool. All right. So let's get away from the geeky stuff and get into some actual um, useful information. 
So in your experience, and I'll take away this year so we can focus, but in your experience, let's just start from the beginning because, again, some gyms are going to be, they haven't started yet. Some gyms are in, in the weeds and maybe they'll, they'll catch up on maybe the, the second month or something like that. But in the first two weeks of periodization, the way that I've always followed it is that you have to allow for just a two-week what they call anatomical adaptation, which is essentially getting the rust out, right? This is preparing your body to accept a training load, right? So this is like what we're doing literally right now. We had our, last, our first practice recently, just two weeks of moving and getting the, getting the juices going and trying to just remember what it feels like to do strength conditioning and do gymnastics. So what are you usually recommending to people that they do in the first two weeks after a long training block deload? Or in this example, what are you advising to people for the first two weeks when they actually get back to gymnastics? Yeah, I agree. Like you said, the, the best way to put it is just like, you know, shake that rust off or knock the rust off. So, you know, from a, from a strength and conditioning perspective, it will be just that, you know, we'll, we'll have some general preparation sort of circuits and training that we'll be doing. Um, and that, that will be split depending on how many days that the athletes are training in the week. And the, the aim and the focus of that will be to get some general adaptation, but also just like you said, get them used to just moving and being conditioned again, you know, being coached, allow them to sort of digest the training that they've done you know, nothing too heavily structured, you know, there'll be a plan there, but it'll also be, we just want to get them going and get them back in that environment and Mm. feeling accustomed to to training again. And that's going to be my, that's my plan and my thought process for the first, you know, the first two weeks, very similar to what you're doing now is just, just get them in and get them going. Yeah. And I think there's two important points to highlight here. One is that, um, we have to remember that Again, the, the end goal is explosive body weight power. That's what we're all trying to get back to for our sport. So you have to remember that, as we've talked about in other podcasts, strength is very much one of the, the major equation pieces to big power, right? And, and briefly, you know, power is, is a function of force over time or, you know, displacement over time, however you look at that literature. But you either have to increase the force delivered to the apparatus or you have to reduce the time in which you deliver that force if you want to increase power, right? And we've, we've talked about this, but there are many ways to go about it, but you will get some retraining effects from getting back to the gym and learning how to tune the equipment again and learning what it feels like to be tight and not leaking energy, as Nick says. And so you're going to get some really good, um, almost, it's, 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 it's hilarious. It's almost like a, that newbie training effect you're going to get again because people have, you know, kind of not been experiencing that. But really most of the eggs in your basket should go into developing more strength and getting that baseline again, because more uh, cross-sectional area or just more efficiency of the muscle you already have, is going to allow you to produce more power, which then allows you to do the things you want to do, right? A stiffer gymnast who can have great technique and can tune the rails, but also can put more sprint behind their first three, their first five to 10 uh, vault passes, or someone who can really whip the floor and then snap down well and have explosive shape changes, that athlete is probably going to be more powerful and is probably also going to be able to absorb more energy safely on the other side of that. So that's the, that's the reason why we're saying some of this stuff and why we're saying we're going to start with a strength block more. Um, the second piece is going to be the best way to get the most use of your time is to use compound movements to try to plan and program in a hinge squat push pull kind of idea sprinkling gymnastics specific stuff on the events and i'll show you guys my exact plan that we're doing to kind of help you guys understand this but i view this as the strength conditioning block is more my general stuff which we do in our virtual workouts versus on the event time i'm putting in some side stations for gymnastic strength and our warm-up has like a long half hour warm-up that has a lot of strength conditioning stuff built into it that's gymnastic specific for shaping and so that's how we marry the balance of I only have two and a half, three hours to work with. I don't have a lot of time and it's a lot of it's slower because of cleaning and because of, 
explanations and because we have to go slow and the repetition and stuff. So that's, that's my advice. But what are your thoughts on either the first part being the strength foundation or the second part being how we're going to program some of this stuff? So the, as in, in terms of what comes first or in terms of doing some strength first? Yeah, I, I guess in terms of um, what, maybe why we put strength first and also what are some timelines to think about? What are realistic timelines for getting that strength gain back before we start yeah. to really focus on the power block? Yeah, I think, you know, everything you've just said, basically, is just trying to increase some cross-sectional area and get some efficiency back into the body of what it's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's going to take time. Like yeah. it's it's not it's not as simple as just sort of giving i've sort of said it earlier really is it's not as simple as being like oh right we've done our two weeks therefore they're all strong right we've built the foundation the, the way i like to think of it is if you know the wider your base the higher the peak's going to be and if you imagine the peak is going to be power i want that base to be as big as possible then because i know that this is a really you know key performance indicator of gymnastics however you know that base has to be massive in order for that peak to be huge so awesome. you know we're going to we're going to be spending you know, eight weeks for me, yep. sensibly planning. And that's going to go from, you know, a little bit more volume work and then we're going to scale it down into maybe some some heavier stuff as well. Uh, and that's just going to take time for in order for us to get there. Yep. But having a patient systematic approach is, is going to allow it. And it's also going to allow them to settle into the program as well because, you know, we've been coaching like this. This is how we've been coaching <laughs> for the past couple of months. And I think it'll allow them to settle in, you know, doing some volume stuff that they've maybe been familiar with. Yep. we're doing it in the gym environment and then there's not, you know, doing another three, four weeks of that, there's nothing wrong with it. And then we start to get into the strength stuff and lay the real big foundation to set us up for some serious success. Yep. Yep. Well said. Yeah. And I think, um, just to be transparent, exactly what we're doing is kind of on that eight week block. I share very similar philosophies as Dan is we're doing a, a two week ramp up, you know, just get the rust out kind of stuff. And then we have a, uh, probably a two or a three week on to one week off. It, it really depends on how the athletes respond. I usually go three to one. Sometimes I go four to five to one if it's like a shock block and we're really trying to get after it, but that's an advanced training athlete. So two to three weeks on with a one week deload um, for six weeks after the two weeks. So eight to, I'm looking at eight to nine, maybe 10 weeks, depending on, on how they feel for most of my general strength stuff uh, and my general gymnastics stuff. And the way we're programming these, I kind of explain this and I'll show the workouts in a second, but we have two days per week that are virtual that are more our general days, right? At home, we socially distance in the park with the other coach who, who does it or whatever. So those two days outside the gym are more our general blocks that are circuit-based because of a lot of factors. One, ease of, of entry, but also the um, social distancing guidelines. We can't rotate kids through a circuit, right? We can't do a lot of the same equipment sharing. So it's like, here's your kettlebell, here's your box. We're going to all go through this list together. And we do it on a timed interval because I find that it's easier crowd control, but it's also... Um, a little bit more aerobic fitness, general capacity training versus doing like squat five times, rest two minutes, squat five times, rest two minutes, right? Like that's, that's a strength index. Like, what is it like four to four to five sets of eight to 12 or lower rep ranges, four to six, if you're trying to really get after it, but that's like a little bit, not what we need so much for gymnasts, but so we're thinking about more of a time thing. Cause you can probably get in a healthy eight to 12 reps of a moderate weight when you're doing these things safely in a strength program. And then that you can rotate to your next, pick up your equipment and then you just clean it all yourself. So um, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, is yeah, that's that's literally outlined exactly what I'm thinking. Is your your own personal circuit, and that's what I mean by it as well. Is you have your equipment is yep. probably what we're going to go back to, and they'll, like you said, 
allow the time frame to be what sort of dictates the reps. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you plan enough time to get, like you said, quality, you know, eight, eight reps, 10 reps, you know, around that thing, you know, you, you're along the right lines for some general, for some general preparation work. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're doing our two days virtual general, our two days in the gym for the first two weeks or three days as we get more groups in, um, those will be our gymnastics stuff. So we'll add in gymnastics specific strength in the warmups. Like that's where I put Nick's daily dozen in for a lot of that stuff. Um, cool. In the actual event, we'll have side stations that are doing shaping, that are doing some basics. Part of the actual assignment is going to be strength and basics. And then yeah. as we get more hours, we might toss in gymnastics specific circuits at the end of our workout. So we'll do warm up for a half hour, some conditioning there, probably two events of about 45 minutes based on our timelines and cleaning, and then a half hour gymnastics specific circuit at the end. That's that's our plan for probably the next month and a half, two months, and then we'll reevaluate where the kids are at. Yeah, that's cool. I like how you're talking about just that, that opportunity for training is all around you. It's not just in the one hour S and C session that you have, yeah. you know, so it's in the warm ups, it's in the side stations, you know, it's, it's trying to get like every little drop of like quality that you can get out there. The opportunities exist that I've done presentations where it is like, let's name the opportunities to do mm. some S and C in the day. And it's not just that one hour that, you know, we normally traditionally get it's all over the shop. You know, yep. we have opportunities everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not going to cover, I mean, we're, we'll talk about some of this stuff, but like in my mind, the gymnastics basics that I really need to get back to in my coaching time is going to be, wow. you know, all the, the press handstand work, the core work, the shaping, the hollow arch holds, the, the actual shoulder open and closing strength, the, the band theraband, stuff like that, the handstand pushups, the pull-ups, the rope climbs, you know, all that kind of obviously around bar usage and safety and clean station. But in my mind, I think about all the things that Nick finds are really quality, corbett actions, shape changing. That stuff is like very gymnastic specific for me. And we're going to hold off on all of our explosive plyo work until the second block. So we're going to, we're just starting now with like bounce hops on the floor with your hands on your hips, right? Like single leg jumps. This is like prehab conditioning stuff. We're not doing box plyos. We're not doing depth jumps and stuff like that yeah. because we haven't conditioned the body to take that high force, high load. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's share. So this is again, we're talking like one to two weeks, right? One to two weeks of our uh -huh. of our three and a half month cycle. We're going to review right now. So this is um, I'll share my screen with what I made for our gym, and um, I'll be very transparent. My boss is cool with me sharing all this stuff, but also you can see kind of how I roll. First of all, these look like Monopoly cards, which I didn't intend, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's. Uh, this is our schedule, right? We have. Um, over the course of our eight weeks, we have, you know, one group coming back and then we have two groups to add the way that our, our uh, mass regulations for the state I'm in. So we're bringing back an, uh, an extra group of like the higher level athletes first and the lower level. And so essentially what we've done is we have, you know, AB workouts, which are on these cards I'll show that are going to be our two weeks of basic strength training. They have basic movements. They're very low level. So those will be what we do outside the gym. And then we have the ones that were inside the gym. So we're going to have a B workout for two weeks of anatomical adaptation, which is this, if you're looking on the actual um, yeah. live stream. And then we're going to move into our more middle of the road, which is higher intensity, a little bit longer time intervals, more starting to dance on that low level plyometric stuff like that. That's going to be workout C, D, and E. We will do those for three weeks, right? So, and then you'll see here is that, so say we have these, uh, these are probably like 20 to 25 of our athletes that are going to come earlier versus our peanuts are going to come for shorter. So we don't have as much time and they don't do virtual training, but those athletes, when they come back, say here, right? They're going to start with the A workout while the other athletes, so say we'll say here and this week, these athletes, the little ones that are coming back a little bit later, they're going to restart back in the beginning in AB because they don't have a training age right now. They don't have a training load. Wow. As 
our other groups of 30 kids that are maybe more advanced are on that second tiered workout. So it's kind of a trickle down effect of everybody's going through two weeks of anatomical adaptation. Everyone's going through the next kind of three week block. And obviously as we get later in the summer, if we have longer hours and we have a little bit um, less space in our gym, cause we have so many kids to rotate, we might start condensing, you know, for the little ones, they can probably go through one week of anatomical adaptation and then do like easier exercises. Cause they're just, you know, they're fluffing around a little bit. So, but this is our schedule for how we're how we're um, going to approach this. And obviously for our advanced athletes who have a full eight week training block coming before we um, kind of reevaluate with our, our guidelines that change every day for our, our distancing, this is our, our template and our timeline. So it works really well for us. Um, everybody has their own approach, but I think it's a really up top way to really grab your head around it. And the other thing that we have too, is we have a lot of coaches who are, I lead the strength conditioning for the entire gym. So this is an easy way for me to print out the schedule, pop it up on the board, send it to everybody, Google doc, and then give them the workouts, right? And they can just come in and say someone's taking a different group because of our guidelines. We can't, we have to stay with the same group ever all week. We can't change groups. Like we usually had like one coach coming on Tuesday, one coach help out on a Thursday. We can't do that anymore. So we're going to have, say somebody comes in for a week when, when I can't come in because I'm, I'm working another job or whatever. They can just look and be like, okay, yep, there, this is the day workout B here it is. Let's get it. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like, oh, well, maybe we should do some pushups. Well, maybe it's very systematically planned for the whole thing. And, you know, you know, you know, my opinions on plans is mm. it's just it's so integral to have one. And and what I like about that there is the situation you've just described of, you know, you get you get a little bit lost in what you're doing. OK. And then all of a sudden it's like, OK, like where where are we? The date is this cool. My group is this group. What session should I be doing this one? And then all of a sudden you're straight back on track. Yeah. But like without that plan, all of a sudden you do end up in that, well, we could do this and let's try this. And, and things just start to gradually creep up, you know, volume and intensity and you're not aware of it. And that's when the issues are going to arise. So, yep. Yep. you know, something as simple as that, that involves your whole club, I think is, is brilliant. And, you know, I think a lot of people would be appreciating that you're, you're sharing that as well. I think that's great. Absolutely, man. Happy to help. Yeah. And, and again, this is just what works for our gym and my approach. But the other thing that you'll see when I switch over to the, the other workout tabs is remember that we're treating our general days in circuit formats because for eight weeks, we feel that's the most efficient way. But when we go to our actual um, gymnastic specific days, that's going to be more of our um, write it up on the whiteboard, you know, binder type stuff like that. Whereas like, you know, four by five press handstands with a superset of V ups, right? Or leg lifts or something like that. So, you're not going to see my exact gymnastic specific plan because I think there's many other episodes we've done previously that describe that. And I have a full two hour lecture that I have up on YouTube that you can see exactly what exercises I choose. Um, but think about the fact that this is thinking about efficiency of getting a large group going safely within our guidelines. And then on our events, we might actually have a, a 45 minute block where we have, you know, okay, four by five press handstands, then we're doing leg lifts, then we're doing our shape changing, then we're doing our pull-ups. Like we're doing our more grunt gymnastic specific work. Part of our complexes and our warm-ups are really helpful there. But in our warm-up and our socially distanced warm-up, we might do our dynamic warm-up and then have everybody have their own little spot and say, all right, 20 V-ups, 15 push-ups, you know, handstand hold, press handstands, calf raises, whatever that is, that's going to happen, you know, actively in our gym. So just want to kind of reference that because people may not see the exact gymnastic specific workouts that we're doing is because we're kind of building those into our event time and building those into our practices. Yeah, that's cool. So let's look at the second tab here, which is kind of what we talked about is, is the framework of why I plan this way. So, you know, when I look at a program and this is just the two weeks, we'll zoom in here for the, we'll go back and forth between these, these uh, tabs and stuff. when we talk, so when we look at like, you know, these first two weeks of anatomical adaptation, 
Um, this is Boardwalk, by the way, and this is whatever the green uh, Meadow Gardens is in Monopoly. That's the uh, the cards. That <laughs> <we have>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boardwalk is valuable, right? So in our example, we have we're going to be doing a, a twenty to thirty minute workout. You know, because I'm thinking about get on Zoom, stretch, warm up the right way, do a real training circuit, mm-hmm. and then have time to deload. Don't just like think about like you're just going to jump in the Zoom workout and go crazy, right? So we will do. Um, when we plan for this, I have two days of virtual workout, and my goal is to get all the major movements in for a week. Um, again, if mm-hmm. you're on the strength conditioning side, this is like the Boils of the world. This is the the um, Cressies of the world, Mike Ronald and the guys that I work with. This is how we kind of think about wrapping our head around that. This is how we program at Champion, and this is how we're approaching all our athletes. We have actually have a lot of um, JO and college athletes that are home in our training with us in Champion, and they're doing this their virtual training, quote unquote, is our live training for our facility where they come in twice a week and do these programs. So we have people literally at our clinic doing this. Then I have this with my gymnast as well. So, but we want to get, you know, all of these things in here, right? So we want to get some sort of a squat, right? In day one, but then we want to mm-hmm. squat day one and you could do squat hinge the same day. You could do push pull the same day. It's, it's just a personal preference, but I usually go squat one day, hinge the other day, get my horizontal push and my horizontal pull right into my circuit on one day versus the other day is my vertical pull and my vertical push. And then anterior core, posterior core, um, some sort of split pelvis position, some sort of single leg position, lateral core and rotary core, right? If you're looking at meat and potatoes of a program, if you only had the basics and you could do this in a circuit, like this is how I think I can get the most done, right? And it's only six stations, right? And we have 40 seconds of a work, 20 seconds to transition to their next exercise and three times through the list. So this is going to be you know, an 18 minute workout when it's all said and done. But one day is more of half the things we need to get to. The second day is the other half of the things we need to get to. We'll do this for two weeks for workouts. So Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, we did one, we'll do another one Thursday. And then next week we'll repeat these. And then when we talk about the month one program, and we'll get back to the next one. So um, any thoughts on this and you would do this differently or, or things on your mind? The monopoly things still get into me. Um, <laughs> I like, I like the little dog token. I was always a Scotty dog. This literally tickled me, but um <laughs> Yeah, no, like when you, you know, you're talking through that there and I'm just going, yep, 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 yep. Because it's, I do things very, very similar. You know, like you said, you can put your squat and your hinge together. It's a preference thing, but it's, you, you're talking about, you, you, you sort of, your meat and potatoes of the program. This is it. Yeah. Like, you know, you can put that in any order you want, but this is the stuff that you should be working on and we'll, we'll sort of pay dividends moving forward as well yep. you know I, I in terms of the the general prep circuits that i sort of spoke about like earlier you know i i will be doing a very similar thing with a start stop sort of tempo on a clock um my my usual preference if if we weren't coming out of a lockdown is more of a sets and reps and rest and supersets mm-hmm. um and and then you know you start to dig into the detail of why things are getting paired together but in terms of what that is that is super similar to you know what i will be running how i run things you know and 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 my first sort of starting point of where i'll be going moving forward as well very very similar nice good to know yeah so in in the broad scheme of things we're looking at a a day one for us is a gymnastics day so we're in the gym we're doing our events we're doing nick's daily dozen we're doing some other you know press handstand stuff some side drills that i think are just appropriate for our gymnasts that are you know, in our bucket, you might have some higher level athletes that need to do hard, harder core drills or harder pushing drills or whatever. Some lower, lower level little peanuts that just need basics, right? But we have gymnastics on day one. We have um, one of these circuits, so circuit A, boardwalk on two, right? Then we have a, a deload day on a, on a Wednesday middle of the week. Thursday is another general day for virtual training. And then Friday is going to be a, uh, you know, more of our 
um, second B day here. And honestly, if we get week one in and I feel like I need more more energy, more time put into the gymnastics stuff, we're going to flip it. So it'll be gymnastics, put your energy in that bucket, second day virtual, deload, Thursday gymnastics, fourth day, you know, I want that bucket, which is, is preferenced. And then the end of the week, maybe on a Friday or a Saturday before the weekend comes, they'll do their second general workout. Because this stuff is not dangerous. This stuff is you can huff and puff and be there, but like, you know, your risk of doing, of, of getting something um, hurt or strained or, or falling and stuff is very low risk with these exercises versus right now when people are getting back to gymnastics, the risk of something happening when they're doing gymnastics specific work or that is high. So I kind of want to keep them fresh. So I want to mm-hmm. kind of put my energy into that bucket for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Like you said, have that adaptability and, and, and sort of just use and make the call, right? So scary things happen in gymnastics when they're fatigued. Mm. Like that's yep. every scary thing you've ever seen in the gym is normally because the athlete is super fatigued and they've just made a, a split split mistake and then all of a sudden, you know, people have got to react to stuff. So yep. having that, you know, really sort of fluid approach to what you're doing is this is the plan. Then all of a sudden it's like actually we sort of need them fresher because it's going to be safer and, and we're sort of seeing a little bit more fatigue. So we're just going to flop it, you know, yep. flip flop, change yep. it. You know, that's yeah, brilliant. Well the, the structure of the week will remain pretty similar to me as well is, you know, we'll, we'll have an idea of what is an intense day and mm. we'll have an idea of what is a lower day as well. Yeah. Um, and as an S&C coach, you know, it's, it's my job to sort of try and communicate that as well to the, to the coaches is, you know, let's all get on the same page and make sure that we're all singing off the same hymn sheet mm. in terms of if I do a low day, you know, we could, we could probably share that day as a low day and then we could have a high day together. Right. And, yep. and that way we're not sort of blunting each other's programs. And what I mean by blunting is just, if I'm trying to get them to take a little bit of load off and, and the coach is going after them a little bit that day, that's going to sort of have an adverse effect on what I want and mm. what I'm doing is probably going to have an adverse effect on what the coach is doing and vice versa. Yep. Absolutely too. And this is thinking about periodization and the intensities. This is how I'm mapping out is our, our, gymnastics day monday says our heavy day tuesday would be our medium day for just a zoom virtual workout right like doing a full dr- gymnastics workout and then doing a strength it's a heavy day so for just the workout yeah. by itself is probably a medium day for them so heavy on a monday medium on a tuesday wednesday's a deload day we're not in the gym because of the um, cleaning protocols thursday would be a heavy day with the gymnastics stuff we want to put our eggs in that basket more so friday's our, our medium day and then they have the weekend to recover that's our goal for the first couple uh, probably a month or so to see how they respond to that. And then as we add more days, three, four or five days into the gym, we might start tinkering around with like the, okay, let's go medium, heavy, light, medium, heavy, light, or something of that nature. When you have more time right now, like you said, if yeah. you don't have much time, there's only sort of <laughs> a yeah. certain combos you can do with, with, with only four days. Right. So, yeah. and especially man, with, with like cleaning protocols and how slow we have to go in terms of like making sure their distance, you can't all just jump on three kids can't jump on the same beam anymore and you can't use the same bar for four kids. So you have to have a lot more cleaning stuff and that slows us down a little bit. Yeah. And we've got all this to come in the UK, this this, like learning process, right? So it's good to know. Cool. So let's look at an actual example. This is what we're doing the first week. Again, these are our two general workouts. Our, our um, Mm -hmm. gymnastics workouts are Nick's daily dozen circuits, you know, with all the stuff, the fun stuff in the gym and our workouts. So we might have, uh, when you translate these from the the movement patterns to actual movements, these are just, and then God, there's so many things you could put in here based on what is, is comfortable for you. But for me, first circuit is a uh, squat to a box, pushups on a box, because I think floor pushups for some kids right now are just going to be really hard. So angling the box mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more of a quality over quantity thing. Uh, tucked hollow rocks um, for most of the athletes that are, are coming back and their core strength is low. They can extend one leg or do a, a straight up hollow rock if they're there. But 
Split squats in place, alternating renegade rows on dumbbells and a side plank, right? So very minimal equipment for this. They need a set of dumbbells mm-hmm. and they need a box in their own little space. You know what I mean? Yeah. So day two, we have um, alternating hip lifts with their shoulders on the box, slider yeah. fallouts, arch swimmers, um, step ups onto the box, and then half kneeling dumbbell press and a plank drag through, right? So again, all they need on this is going to be a slider, a box, and a dumbbell set of dumbbells, which can be cleaned in two seconds. So that is very much the practical application. It's six stations on day A, D, uh, A and B, uh, and then 40 seconds of work on a clock. I'll stand far away and yell uh, without you know being close to them. 20 seconds to transition between their first exercise, their next one, whatever. And we'll work through that list three times. If you feel as though this is too hard to go three times straight through, maybe add in a seventh rest station, right? So that's a 21-minute circuit, and you could do sixth and take a rest, something like that. But in my opinion, I think that 40-20 um, is pretty manageable in terms of, of, of intensity, you know? Yeah, I think... I agree. 40, 20 is fine. I think 20, 20 gives you enough time as well to not be rushing onto the next thing. Do you right. know, like, you know, sometimes you see it, if the rest is too short, there's like a couple of athletes like scrabbling to <laughs> yeah. get onto the next station. That was always me. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that stuff's great. Like, like you said, when you start to put the meat on the bones of that stuff, you're looking at that you need a dumbbell, a slider, maybe a band at some point, maybe yep. a small box yep. and all of those things, you know, are, super easy to clean you know uh, sort of quite plentiful in gymnastics clubs now so everyone should be able to have their own one mm. you know and it, it makes it makes it really easy because you're all set out and you're all good to go and then everyone knows the plan before they start i can imagine yeah and off we go yeah brilliant and there's a couple really uh i'm glad you said that it's a couple of things that are important here to realize one is that you have to remember that this strength program is built off of the three months of home program that i gave right so it's specific to there are a lot of people who followed the programming that i did and it's, it's kind of evolving off of that so that's one piece change this if you use different exercises or you had different ideas about your home program in quarantine and you're doing something else now um use the the template maybe or use something like that, but plug your own stuff and number two i I have the goal of increasing the intensity in, in multiple um, variables throughout the next eight weeks, right? One of which you'll see is the time of work to rest will, will differ. We'll have a longer work and a shorter rest. One, because they're familiar with the exercises, they know what they're doing. But two is that they're going to be more conditioned and they can get through more work, maybe maybe two more reps on each side before they move on to the next thing. Number three is you have to remember that I'm trying to sequentially add load and intensity to the exercises over the course of eight weeks. So I don't want to be constantly changing the base root of that exercise, right? You'll see, for example, we're going to go from a squat, a bodyweight squat to a box, to a goblet squat, to a, a, a squat jump, for example, yeah. right? So we're yeah. going to increase linearly with the load, but we're not going to change, you know, we're not going to go from a, a standing box jump or something that's low level to, you know, broad jumps or dumbbell jumps because that might be too big of a jump or it might be confusing for the athletes to do safely. So at, we're going to hop back out of the screen share and just talk about principles for the month, uh, you know, going from weeks two to week six or the, the first month block. But just realize that this is my approach to layering these things up over eight weeks. It's not perfect for everybody. No. And I think you're exactly right of, you know, you're following on from a home program and it'll be very similar with, you know, the, the athletes and the clubs that I work with is, you know, there'll be a continuation of what we're doing. So we've spent all of our time learning some, some good movement. Why would I then try and select something that they're unfamiliar with? It's going to take them a while to learn where actually the aim is that I'm trying to get an adaption. Right. And, and that's always my thought process. It, it makes my job significantly easier because you can already, you know, I'd like to think you can all bang out some really nice looking squat shapes, right? Yeah. 
So if we can progress it and change the adaption or the load or the intensity of you know, what we're getting, but through the same sort of um, motion or movement, I think I think you, you're on to an absolute winner. And that's yep. exactly what I'll be doing is the exact same thing. Yep. And so kind of just as we roll, we want to make sure people are kind of um, not lost in the shuffle here, right? So I'm thinking my Monday day, my gymnastics day is going to have my press handstands, my handstand pushups, my rope climbs, my hollow rocks, my arch rocks, my shape changes, my calf raises, my dance work, my kicks, my active flexibility. My Tuesday day is going to have the things I just listed in, in circuit A. My Wednesday will maybe be just a, a, a at-home stretch recovery, you know, just chill out. My Thursday is going to have more gymnastic stuff, my slider crawls, my, you know, um, more specific shoulder work for cast handstands or bar work or things like that. All the things that you probably have in your mind is the gymnastic stuff you really want to do. Those are built into events or done with our actual complexes and just doing drills and doing skills and stuff like that. And then my last day is circuit B, which you see here, which is going to be another general day. So you, hopefully you're seeing painting the picture that this is a 50, 50 tug of war. This is not jumping into the the general bucket and leaving alone the, the specific bucket, nor is this ignore the general bucket and go four days of just straight up gymnastic strength. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. It's like an actual, if you think of it as a partnership between the two, and there's just a little bit of pushing and pulling every now and then in the, in the direction that you want to go, but they both exist at the same time yep. in a sense plan program. Yep. And then also a really good note to think about here is usually people who have followed most of our programming and our ideas, especially with Nick, is there's usually a separate energy systems training uh, workout or bucket, right? Uh, versus you're not seeing that here. It's kind of lumped into one. One is time and cleaning. Uh, two is the fact that I am trying to really put all my eggs into the general aerobic capacity bucket, whether I'm doing longer training hours, whether I'm doing more dense circuits, which is what you'll see will bump up in the next three weeks, uh, whether we're doing longer intervals of stuff. I, for eight weeks, and I do this in the summer generally anyways, but I'm trying to get the general um, heart and lung capacity, the general VO2, you know, if you could call it VO2 is going to change maybe a little bit, but more just like oxygen extraction and, and just being able to go for a longer time period. Because my number one goal right now is to condition the athlete to be safe in a longer practice that they're used to. If they've only, if they're only doing two and a half hours now, but we normally did three and a half, four, I'm trying to condition them to get safely through three full 45 minute events in eight weeks, because that's how I, as a coach, am going to have more productive practice to take more repeat turns to recover faster between those turns and be safe so they can do their grindy workouts and get their skills back over the course of the next six weeks. I'm not trying to do a separate lactate repeat interval or anaerobic threshold work because one, the system's not paired, right? It goes generally, and this is the literature I follow and disagree with me if you'd like, but strength to, to general power to rate of force development in a sports specific power is very similar to little aerobic capacity base, move that into general anaerobic uh, threshold training, and then move that into a sport specific anaerobic window, which is a floor routine, which is, you know, bars, stuff like that. So that's how I've always viewed our sport in terms of optimal adaptation. Uh, and I've changed these things a lot, but um, I don't know, do you have any different thoughts on that? Or do you agree, disagree? Please tell me if you, if you do. No, I agree. Like, like you said, getting, getting that aerobic adaption that initially is absolutely key because obviously that feeds everything you do without oxygen, you, you're going to struggle. So the, the circuits are the best way to do it. You're getting a real bang for your buck because you're depleting, you're depleting the oxygen, you're creating a demand for it. Mm. Okay. So they are, basically the muscles going, I need some more, give me some more. And it's breathing it in, right? Yep. That's what you need in order to endure training. So you need to be able to deplete it and then you need to be able to recover uh, and, and, and go again. Yep. So this is the stuff that is, is truly laying the foundation for you to be able to have really good quality technical training sessions. Yep. 
Uh, and as a coach, that's what's going to allow you to have good quality training sessions with athletes who who don't fade and fizzle out halfway through and, and quality goes down. It's, yeah. it's going to allow you to, the, the quality is so important now because we have less time. Yep. We're not allowed in the gym as long as we would like to be. So yep. it's all about the quality of what we're doing now. And this is the stuff that's going to help you have those quality sessions. Yep, exactly. And that's, that's kind of, as we move through these, like the next one's going to be the first month of, of, of a bigger block is that's where my mindset is right now, which is the shake the rust out in terms of, skeletal loading and muscle, but also shake the rust out in terms of breathing heavy for the first time in two weeks. Right. And then I'm going to move into that more aggressive general block of strength, transition that in month two to more general plyometric and more general anaerobic, um, work. So I can tolerate a longer routine or a longer something like that down the road uh, routine in terms of me of like a long training day, not like I'm doing a floor routine. I'm not even thinking about routines right now. Um, and then month three is like, all right, let's get back into all the gymnastics stuff that we want to do pretty hardcore to, to set the stage yeah. for, um, hopefully a competition season coming down the road. But if Super. you're, if you're starting a, a relationship with somebody, a strength conditioning coach, a parent is asking, uh, you're a coach, you want to find a strength coach, sell the benefits of the, the performance program. Like, yeah, our program we're building is so you can have a better, longer, more effective practice. Right. So you can do more release turns in a month and a half. So you can do more floor tumbling passes in a month and a half. So you can do more beam series. So you can do more pommel turns, more ring strength. Right. I'm trying to build this clay into something that you're going to really love, which is a a solid 45 minute grind event of bars. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you, that's sometimes what strength and conditioning coaches, you know, get a little bit lost in is they have this amazing program, but then the coach isn't really aware of why it's amazing. They know it's amazing, but the Mm -hmm. coach doesn't. And yeah. You know, when you're describing it to a coach of, you know, I, I sort of think of it as like a lump of clay of you can only build so much with like this much clay, yep. right? But like what I want to do is give you the, the biggest, most moldable lump of clay as you can. So I'm just adding more and more to that. So yep. then, you know, when you have that opportunity to do some gymnastics things, specific things with your athletes, you know, they can they can endure it and they can improve and they can take on information rather than just sort of thinking, God, I need some air. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And that's the way I like to think of it. And and I sort of implore SNC coaches to do that as well as it's not just your program. You know, we're there to support the head coach. And part of us is supporting the head coach is making them aware of why the program you have is so good and why you think it is so good. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And uh, we'll bump on now to the next month in a sec. But the best yeah. programs yeah. that I've learned from and the people that are really doing it well, and I think I'm, again, I'm really lucky to work with some of our the U.S.'s top Division One schools and the ones that are really crushing it, the ones that you see on TV that are like, wow, these kids are fit, these kids are doing well. They have a great strength coach who knows their lane, but they also know how yeah. to kind of operate outside that a little bit. Um, yeah. And then uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but he got a great analogy of like, you know, this is my lane. There's five lanes on the highway, but I'm not afraid to drive into this lane for a couple of days or drive into this lane for a couple of days, which is medical, which is sport coaching, which is, you know, um, mental health, which is nutrition. Just, I'm not going to do it, but I'm, I'm not afraid to put my car in that lane to drive alongside somebody else who's doing that job. So the ones that you see that are really successful have radical communication and open transparency about how people are feeling with the athletes and with the other people in that highway. But also they are very good at, um, trying to make sure they're constantly talking about the end goal. They're ta- they're constantly talking about like, hey, we're doing this because I want you to have a better, longer practice. I want you to be able to get through this floor routine week seven, week eight of your competition season. So the coach sees, okay, that's why we're doing these exercises. The medical provider sees, okay, that's why we're changing some of these things. We're landmine pressing, not overhead pressing because we're a little worried about this person's shoulder, right? Or we're doing hip lifts instead of heavy trap bar deadlifts today because we want to get more of a risk to reward of, 
being safer for their for their sport and maybe doing a little bit less heavier deadlifting right right before season and not tweak someone's back. But the, yeah. the, if you got in the inner workings of that, you would see these coaches do an amazing job. And I strongly encourage people in the jail world and the younger world to, to take that model and have your go-to strength person, have your go-to medical person and just jump on a Slack channel and save it, man. Your life would be so much easier. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the ability to, uh, you know, understand what your lane is and know that very well and fine tune that skill yeah. to, 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 you know, to the absolute point. But like you said, the, the success lies in, you know, you can write the best program in the world, but if no one does it, it's not the best program in the world. <laughs> yeah, is it? So, exactly. you know, having, having the ability to step in and, and have a conversation with a coach and speak their language and then with a medical provider and then be able to explain that to an athlete, which in our case is someone significantly younger than every one of those people I've just listed. Right. Right. And still get your point across without sounding like a lab rat, without sounding like a scientist, yep. you know, where it's, it's real world. This is how it's going to affect you. If you do this program, it's going to do this to your skill. It's going to improve this. Yeah. It's going to make their shoulders healthier because of this issue. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's the key thing is stay in your lane, but understand how, like you said, to drive in other people's for a day or two or a week or two when yeah. you have to. Don't be afraid to get in the passenger seat of their car. Yeah. It keeps you relevant as well. Right. You've, you've got to, you know, you've got to sometimes remind these people that you're still there and that you, you know, you're still, you still provide some serious value outside of the weight room, God forbid. Sure, so, sure. um, and that's, that's one thing I'm a big believer in is, you know, the days of someone going to a weight room and that's it are long gone. And I would like to think that yeah. they stay that way. Yeah. Um, and the best coaches are the ones like you said, get that medical provider and the S and C coach on the phone and they have a discussion about this is my aim. How do we all get there? Yep. We all get there. Yep. Absolutely. Super well said, my man. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. So now we're talking about, Two weeks have gone by. We've shook the rust out. Got a little training effect going. Like kids are getting a little vibe now. Like we're getting back into it. In your first month, right? And we kind of talked about the layer of this is still kind of riding on that base of strength. What are your thoughts on what are we looking at for a four-week cycle of the next month from weeks two to week six, what I consider as the first month after the actual adaptation? Yeah. So moving on from that general prep circuit. So for me, it will be we'll be looking at, and this will be me personally, is we'll be looking at more sets and reps. Mm-hmm. We'll be looking at supersetting exercises. Yep. We'll be looking at adding potentially some more external load yep. in a progressive manner. So it doesn't yep. mean that we have to go, right, it's external load time, let's get after it. It's, you know, we're just building up slowly. Yep. Um, and that block of training will, will be the one that I'll be really observing and keeping an eye on and making sure that we are getting that, you know, strength adaption. People yep. are getting stronger. Yep. Is you know, like I said earlier, that's what's laying the foundation for a massive peak. So we need to make sure it's right. Yep. What about yourself? What you know, where where are you going to go with it? Yeah, well set up. I'm in the same way. I think that four week block is really where you're going to build that bigger base. Um, I think for us, there's on our virtual um, outside the gym workouts, we're going to continue circuits because we feel as though those are probably going to be best done Zoom wise. You know, super setting, triple setting is you can do it. You just need a lot of equipment at home. You know, which is really hard to do. You need a set of dumbbells. You need a box, and most kids don't have that at home. That being said, um, in our actual gymnastics-specific workouts, we're going to start doing 1As, 1Bs, triple sets, double sets, like the way we would normally strength and conditioning program for a binder or something like that. So at Champion, for example, where we work, we have kids in their own little pods. Go get all your equipment you need. Come to your pod. Here's your program. We're going to all kind of go through this. Here's your here's your your 5x5 five five press handstand. Here's your ring muscle up, whatever it is. You're doing dips or whatever. And you would have your 1A, 1B because now you're looking at getting a strength adaptation and you maybe need that 
that quicker turnaround for the working set, that one to two minute rest is going to be down versus on a circuit that we do outside. It's going to be, you're not going to get to that same probably like movement pattern for like seven minutes because you're doing, you're doing something else. You're going to be straining it, but you're not doing it right. And if we want to get a strength adaptation, we're probably looking at those four to five sets of, you know, six to 10 reps, depending on kind of what exercise, right? 10 split squats is very different than 10 goblet squats. Um, (laughs) But um, you're going to want to probably go more sore towards the, let's actually condition these like a, a traditional strength workout. So on my days of the gym, my gymnastic specific stuff, are you going to be adding more reps to press handstands, more leg lifts, maybe another set of leg lifts, uh, three sets of pull-ups, four sets of pull-ups, rope climbs, um, more direct strength work for the gymnastics that they need. A lot of active flexibility, a lot of kicks, a lot of, you know, more TheraBand type resistance. Now, like we're trying to get some of that overload through the gymnastics two to three days per week versus on the outside of the of the gym we're doing more of our our circuits for sure i will say though you're going to see um circuits that i show in our in our three days home program that we do but if i get two weeks into this and find that uh it's better done as a um traditional 1a 1b program i'm gonna i'm gonna flip these and start putting them into ramp program 1a 1b 1 2a 2b 3 just like you saw in the home program that you did that like how i programmed for home like that so i'm up in the air of whether circuits will be more efficient in terms of what we can deliver well to the kids at home or in a, in a park or something like that um versus if we really find that we need a strength adaptation specifically we're going to go back to my kind of bread and butter which is the, the strength conditioning template world so i'm yeah. on the fence a little bit I'm, I'm kind of building the framework and then i'll, I'll pivot based on what the kids need like you said, have that fluid approach of what do we need, where are we at? And then, you know, I think doubling down on that strength stuff, like you said, so like if you're not getting what you want, all of a sudden you've got to put, your, you know, your chips down, double down and and, yep. and, and go for that strength stuff. Because like you said, you know, you have an end plan in mind uh, and making sure that what you're doing is the correct thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It, what, what I find interesting is because, because obviously we both read literature and, and both coaching, but things are really similar, right? Because of <laughs> yeah. that reason. And yeah. that, that's what makes things a lot easier is when everyone's on the same page, there's just a lot of agreement you yeah. normally find. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's environment is different, isn't it? So there's going to be subtle changes to what you're doing, but you know, the, the like you said, the sort of mean potatoes of what you're doing is, is all very similar to what I'm thinking of. Except you're doing it right now, and I'm not. I'm just thinking about <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I got a head start, unfortunately. Um, so, and this is a really good um, point to take home. Is this is? I mean, if you listen to really great gymnastics coaches, and you listen to me, and you and Nick on the strength side or medical, or whatever, everyone is really more principle led, evidence led, and then they have their own flair for how they approach the actual drill, right? You need to know how to coach up a proper goblet squat. You need to know how to coach a proper cast handstand and do a, a really good rope climb with high quality form. Don't get me wrong. You can't, you can't fake your way around that. But at the same time, so many people unfortunately make the mistake that I make. And I, I think you've talked about this as well as they go bottom up reverse where they try to find all the best drills that look like they're going to be really helpful. And they don't really have systems that unite them or principles. So then they get into the weeds and they don't, ha- they don't have a rationale for why they're doing it. Right. And they, they yeah. going bottom up from trying to build drills then getting your systems then your principles and your methodology your ideology is really uh sketchy because you're building things backwards right you need to go the other way you need to pick what are my principles what are my goals what are my confirmations what are my systems then you can move down to like where are we going to plan this then you move down to what are our favorite drills for for uh shoot over what are our favorite you know drills to get calf strength or to get speed up or whatever it is and, and build your way the other way on systems and i think nick does an amazing job of teaching this because yeah. you can plug and 
plug and play as you want. Like, ooh, that's a great drill. That could really fit in my horizontal pushing department. Like, oh, I love that that beam complex drill or that TheraBand thing. That goes right in my active flexibility bucket. On Tuesday, we do that for, for one of our stations or we plug that in a circuit or something. Like, I think that saves so much time and headache and effort. Whereas one, you're not forced to constantly rebuild your systems but number two yeah. is you you can stay current with with literature and you can stay current with new ideas like s- tons of new stuff comes out and i can be like oh love that pull that put it in here or i go to a clinic and i see one person I'm like ah we don't have that equipment we can't really do that you know maybe we'll get it down the road but for right now that's not really that's not where i'm at yeah uh, i think like you said you talk about it being a noisy world now there's lots of things going out there and and having that principled approach to what you're doing like you said allows you to select you know, that that exercise or drill solves a problem for for what I do and what I, you know, my principle to training and what I'm doing. Or also, that is completely irrelevant. It holds no use to me at all, so I'm not going to take that information on. And then all of a sudden, it just allows coaches to just decipher all this information. <laughs> what's good? What's not so great? That's a good new idea. I might try that, you yeah. know, and it, it makes things easier and it stops us getting drawn to, you know, Oh, there's a new exercise and then you know next week shiny new one. toy shiny new toy syndrome oh and then all of a sudden you know you, before you know it, you're lost you're like i don't know what the plan was i'm just sort <laughs> of um, all of this stuff looks great and people are flitting like butterflies yeah. from one thing to another and yeah. um you know i was very blessed i had some mentors that had some pretty strong principles about what they were doing and, yep. and they can justify everything that they were doing um it doesn't mean that their approach was right, but it just means that their approach was their approach. Mm. Yeah, that's how they approach training athletes. And yeah. I was just very fortunate that that's how I was sort of taught as well. So yeah, and that's why I'm trying to sort of teach people who I work with now as well. If, if, if have your own plan and stick to it, trust mm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super well said. And I think you and I both, you obviously, your your main career was strength conditioning at a non-gymnastics first. Mine was medical. So the medical systems at Champion in terms of like how we treat stuff and what we do and even the strength systems are like savage, man. Like Mike and my bosses, I'm so lucky they have them as, as mentors because they really have put time into, you know, what does Cressy think? What does Boyle think? What do we think? You know, let's make our own system that we believe in all these principles. And like on the medical side, like what does James Andrews think? What do all these surgeons think? What do these doctors think down here? Like let's take all their stuff, put it together. And we put our heads together, the five of us on a PT side, built our systems, the strength coaches, five of them put their heads together. And I'm now behind the curve on gymnastics. I should have done this 10 years ago with my coaching career, but I'm kind of now learning from Nick and I'm learning from many other great coaches on the college side and on the, the JO elite side that I respect. And I'm like, okay, these are my systems. This is what I feel yeah. is right. Yeah. Cool. Totally agree. Like you've got some cool people that you hang out with. Uh, you're blessed. Yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Very lucky. All right. So let's jump back into this schedule. And so now again, we're thinking weeks two to week six and, and we've kind of agreed we're in more of the, the build the base strength block here. So again, just to look at our gym, the way we're doing it, you know, this is different. Some people have everybody in the gym. It's great, but we're doing in these blocks here, you're going to see whoopsies right here. So this is kind of what we're looking at, right? So our athletes that have been in there, our 30 kids that are older kids are coming back. They're going to do CDE workouts for three workouts, which are three weeks, which are going to be the harder workouts. Whereas like we talked about the ones that are just starting out, maybe over here or here, these are our little ones coming back. They're going to do the A workouts because they're only one or two days per week and they don't have a training effect right now, right? Then they'll get into their CDEs at a staggered start, you know, as somebody else will. So that's, again, what we're doing. If we're looking at planning for the the movements, this is the geek tab, as I call it, the nerd tab, right? So mm-hmm. we're looking at now, um, these are our th- three outdoor, 
or virtual training workouts, right? So we're going to start sprinkling in more. Again, if I get to the second week of this and I'm like, nah, I don't like this circuit. It's not as good. I'd like to go back to my traditional, you know, grindy S&C 1A, 1B. We'll do that and we'll just plug and play these as we see necessary, right? But look at the similarity between what we had. We still see these core things popping up the squat. Right. I don't know why this is going to the box, sorry. Um, squat, right? We're still seeing our hinge, vertical pull, single leg, split pelvis. They're all in here. Those movements are steer, but we filled in more gymnastic-specific stuff because I'm starting to get more in that bucket. Active flexibility, dynamic stability, some sort of plyo work, uh, low-level plyo work. We have some um, very specific stuff in this middle day, which is a lighter day, so two heavier days, one medium day. This is more active flexibility, prehab, you know, the, the, the gymnastic stuff, we probably don't have a lot of time to get in because we want more time on the actual skills. So we're looking at a lot of stuff that's going to go um, great dance coaches that I've learned for or great, but also anything that, you know, we didn't get from Nick's daily dozen, or I feel we need more time for, well, I'm going to take these out and plug those into the, the appropriate spot there. So day uh, one here, right. And look at the difference also in this box. We now have 45 seconds of work versus 15 seconds of transition, 10 exercises, two times the list. Okay. So almost so if you did seven stations in the first one six with a one minute rest three rounds that's a 21 minute density or you know load versus in here two times through the list with 45 seconds and a 15 second rest that's 20 minutes it's a minute less but this is a way more intense workout this is way more dense there's no rest this is a grind man this is hard so you got to remember that i just took a 20 minute block flipped it on his head because of the training age and the training effect right 20 minutes is very differently spent 10 rounds with no rest versus three rounds with a rest and lighter exercise. These exercises will be harder. There's five more seconds of work, maybe one to two more reps per exercise, and it's going to be more more intense. That makes mm-hmm. sense? So um, any thoughts on the, the general layout here, things, critiques that you would do differently or different ideas you have before I kind of walk through some of this stuff? No. Like, I like it, you know, there comes a point where, like you said, you start, have to start to add things on. That mm. You know, this week, sort of three to four, is going to be that moment, isn't it? is, you know, you do need to start adding in, you know, some, some dynamic stability, some, you know, and then what I quite like is you've sort of, you've got, if you look left and right, you've got your, your main things and then you've sort of gone like, where are the gaps and what am I missing here? Because we all do it. And then it's like, okay, this is where this lower level stuff comes in because it fits in with the theme of that circuit. What's that circuit D? Yep. Well, you, you know, you're doing, you know, the, the more, gymnastics specific things yep. and things that potentially don't slot into those other two program cards as, as simply or as easily. Yep. Yep. And you got to remember too, you're seeing just weeks three and four, right? But we're going to probably use these uh, as, as doubled weeks if we find the kids need more, right? So we might do a week three, week four, week five and be like, these kids are dying right now. They've had five weeks on. We might pull back into a deload week and then extend the next start of the month two we're going to talk about or the next phase as week seven, eight. So these are fluid, right? I have my ideas about what ideally like would happen would be two weeks of adaptation, three weeks of these circuits, one week of a deload. Then we start our lower, you know, week five, week six, week five, six, seven doesn't refer to the actual calendar week. It refers to the training effect week, right? So three and a half months of a calendar for me might actually be a four and a half month calendar because there's one, two, deload, three, four, five, deload, six, you know, I mean, so don't view it as this is exactly seven weeks in a row for me. I'm going to kind of push and pull. I'm thinking about if we need a break where the kids are dying, we're going to pull back, but I'll still start on week five, quote unquote, if that makes sense. I just want to clear that up because I think it's confusing if you look at this, like, well, you said a month, but there's only two weeks listed. <laughs> yeah, can you, yeah, can you add up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I know what you mean. And it's, 
you get to the end of that that block of training or the end of that three weeks, you do your deload and you're sort of looking, thinking, oh, I could probably do that again and get mm-hmm. you know yeah. more out of that. Yeah. That's that's where you have to make and it's a coaching decision. Like, do we do we move on or do we go again? And like you said, if you've got more adaption to get out of that block, why would you move on? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's do it again. You know, it works, you know what you're going to get out of it. The, the, you know, the athletes are more and more familiar with it. So they're doing it, you know, to a higher quality every single session. So, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get out of the next block of training. So make that call, be brave and, and repeat what you're doing. Yep. Well said. And two kind of things on that point before we move on to the actual circuits is one, how do you know whether you need to push, pull, deload, pull back wellness mm-hmm. scores? monitor that's that's why it's so important to monitor right look at the quality of their sleep look at how sore they are look at how tired they are their mood look at all these things on on, on four markers of zero to ten measurements very basic very easy on a piece of paper or a binder add them up out of 40 and give yourself a percentage of a wellness score right talk to them how do you feel are your legs trashed by the end of the week at the start of the week you, you give a heavy workout friday saturday and monday they come in like man my legs are roasted still like yeah it's the end of your training week quote unquote on your on your binder and on your sheet but all the kids are dead so like maybe don't start a new training block with power stuff on day one like all right we'll do one more week of you know the same stuff and if they're getting bored or stuff like that most kids are just happy to be back in the gym so it's not but Think about all the things you could do in the squat bucket and just change one of those exercises up. Right? There's plenty of other ways you could tweak some of the exercises and still get a squat or still get a split pelvis or still get an anterior core, but not be like, God, hollow rocks again for the fifth week in a row. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, I agree is, you know, keep the things that you think are important in there. And if you feel or you're sensing that, you know, it's time for a tiny bit of variety, don't change the whole thing. Yep. Just just change one or two things in there and, and do it. And like you said, the wellness data is really important and, and it's it, so is just asking them, you know, Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? And and they'll give you the answers. You mm-hmm. know, if they're small, they'll give you the answers as well. Right? If you have a good <laughs> culture of trust, you will get the answers. <laughs> yeah. Like I find normally with my athletes, they, they don't really give it the old, like that was a great session last Friday. It's normally like, man, my legs are so tired. <laughs> but that's the information I want to hear anyway. So, yeah. yep. um, you know, I, I get that from my older ones a little bit more anyway. For so, sure. Yeah. yeah. And also too, the other pieces is you'll see, obviously these are like, this is the nerd tab, right? Squat, push, pull, whatever. And you see this is exercises. If you're more, I have my, in my head, my 15 to 20 needs to have between next stuff and what I need. So if you're more in the mindset of, I need a template and then I'll fill the template in the next page, which is what I do on the other workouts is exactly how I program. Put in right here, Nick, six of Nick's daily dozen exercises, then six exercises or five exercises that you love. You're like, nah, I really love this, this therabend or whatever it is. Like, just plug those things in. And then on the next tab, copy paste the tab and just literally plug in what exercise you want. And this is so good because you can share this on Google Doc and everybody can look at this together. And you can like, nah, let's try this one. Nope, they didn't like that one. Didn't have the equipment. Had to clean the gym. Didn't have time to get to that one. You know, there are little kids running around, so we couldn't do this one. Like, all that kind of like real world yeah. stuff, you know? Um, all right. So if you're listening right, day one is going to be a squat, horizontal push, front core, anterior core, some sort of active flexibility for hips. If it's going to be a, a female gymnast, probably more on the male side, it'd be more shoulder biased, but split pelvis, horizontal pull, posterior core, some sort of uh, low level plyometric or just jack your heart rate up a little bit. Some sort of dynamic stability thing. The reason I do that is twofold. One, I like jacking someone's heart rate up and saying control under fatigue. That's a, a principle in gymnastics I really enjoy. But also, two is I'm trying to fill in more of the stuff that's going to set the stage for something heavy's coming in the next block. Some serious plyo stuff's coming. So if I add, if I take strength and add speed without tolerance under fatigue and dynamic stability, it's going to blow up. You know, that's when someone's hip blows up. That's when someone's back blows up. When you give them all this new strength, you're like, all right, let's go. 
you know, but you don't have dynamic stability work put in. You don't have, okay, I'm tired, but I can still work under fatigue, right? You roll an ankle, you, your back starts to get sore because your form starts to become floppy and jellyfish. So that's the, the rationale behind my head. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that after if you would do something different. But then lateral core, um, the middle day circuit D is going to be more of, like I said, our, our gymnastic specific stuff we can't really do um, in the gym if we're home. And I don't know, we might be in the gym more days per week, right? Based on our ramp up, if, if the phases in our in the US system are allowed to go through and there's no bump in cases, we're gonna be in the gym more. I'll do more gymnastics specific stuff in the gym versus if we get stuck in this phase, I have to figure out some way to do gymnastics at home and this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. And then on the opposite of day of C, which is E, so the opposite side, it's gonna be uh, our hinge, our vertical pull, our posterior core. I'm starting to double up on core work anterior posterior because it's so important. Another active flexibility, single leg, vertical push, anterior core, another heart rate or a low plyo, some dynamic stability, and then an anti-rotation core. So that's the that's the strength and conditioning template side of it mixed with like the medical slash, you know, coaching side. But any thoughts on this, Dan, what you would do differently before we actually show exercises? No, like I think, like you said, you're layering on there. Like for me, the, I was trying to do, the only difference I would do is I would, I would either start that stability a tiny, tiny bit earlier and make yeah. sure that there's some, there's some there before we, before we sort of roll on to the strength. Good call. Uh, however, you know, I think the two actually lend each other really well to, to training. Yeah. So I, you know, I would, I would either do start it early or actually what I would do is look at maybe marrying up a stability exercise with a potential strength mm. one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well said. But yeah, yeah, I'm sort of, I like the, I like the idea of just working on that stability stuff to begin with, mm. uh, then moving on just cause then I sort of know that it's there. Yep. Um, and then if we need a little bit more, I have a little bit more time to add that on. Yep. Um, that, that would be the only, you know, the only, the only change. I like the idea of getting them, getting jack that heart rate up, like you said, and get them having to then be like, well, settle. Yeah. Down, Bessie. Down, Bessie. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's like, I think you said you love doing it. I think, I don't know about your athletes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, the challenge is real there when you've got it. So, you know, I like that. And and for them, that'll feel like gymnastics as well. Like you've, you've, you've sort of dissected it and it, it won't look like it, but it will, you know, they can relate to that feeling of, you know, heart rate going crazy, but I need to be still and stable and, yeah. and it look really good. So no, yeah. I like that. And I really like this too. I love the feedback. I love hearing, uh, you know, critiques. There's two things, two, uh, three, two things we could do here. So one is we could flip active flexibility in the dynamic stability slot. So that earlier in the circuit with less fatigue, they have more control. That's an option too. I think active yeah. flexibility is usually easy to do poorly, you know, with, with young gymnasts. So I put that first. Number two is just pop this in a warm up, man. Put this in, in a ramp program. Put this in a in a pre workout thing. Do single leg RDLs on a couch cushion at home in a virtual workout versus mm-hmm. having to do it on a mat at the stuff like. So you could do that as well. If we flip things back to our traditional model of ramp program, one A's, one B's, two C's, whatever it is, I'll probably go with the warm up approach and put our dynamic stability there because we have like everybody should train. We call them the ABCs: agility, balance, coordination, and champion. So we should all do a little bit of. You know, watching a gymnast do side to side lateral hop and sticks is one of the funniest thing ever at champion. Right? We have like super high level, level tens and elites in our, in our place are like wobbling all over the place doing side to side jumps. And the baseball players are like, you guys are brutal at this. What's wrong? It's so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. Um, so we could put it in the warm up. We could flip these and do it in the um, earlier in the circuit. 
or we could do it as something that's as a side station in the actual event, right? So I, th- I think I've seen a lot of people who do like a single leg RDL as a side station on beam because it's really good for, for lateral stability or some sort of like high releve hold. That's dynamic stability of the ankle, right? And one of my favorite ones, just to give a practical example of this, and it's not in the circuit, but one of my absolute favorite combos here is doing some sort of low level, like quick twitch um, plate hop or quick tap or something like that, getting that heart rate up and then doing very slow farmer carries marches in place. I love that kind of stuff, right? Jack your heart rate up, get you out of breath, but then teach yourself to control your core under compression loading, right? And really keep yourself still, which mimics landing a gymnastics dismount at the end of a tumbling pass. So like, think about it more as like, I'm not thinking go for a 400 meter run stand on an Eric's pad. I'm thinking more like, you know, get something specific to gymnastics and then let's challenge you in a way you need, like, or just, you know, do some quick tips or do something really hard and then just like do a high releve walk down a beam, right? That's a great example too. So thinking more on the gymnastics side, not so much on the, what looks balance E in the, in the department. Yeah. I think people, you say stability and all of a sudden people sort of see the circus tricks come out, right? Those two balls. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like what I like about it is it gives them that feeling of, of what, the demands of the sport are, even though it may not look like the demands of the sport. And like you said, if you can maybe involve some of the equipment and use it for your own gain, I think that's a really good idea as well. Yep. I, I would favor that a lot. Yep. And this will set the stage for the the ender, ender, that's not a word, the end of this cycle, which is when I'm trying to get someone down the road, hopefully for routines to be um, calm and cool under fatigue in a high pressure situation, which is stepping into the last corner of your dismount or something like that. So I, I slowly paved the way through like, and we do that in anaerobic circuits I've said before, which is like two tumbling passes into the pit, climb out, no more pits and COVID hashtag, no more, two more, two tumbling passes, handstand walk, broad jump, or sorry, handstand walk, um, broad jumps, and then do like some sort of static hole, like a handstand or cast handstands, right? Teaching the athlete to operate under some central fatigue, especially as acidity kind of, or port lactate pores in the bloodstream as a shuttle. Um, trying to get that to survive and be like, I'm dying right now, but I still have to do a double fold in my routine. I got to hang out of this bar and not die right now, you know? No, yeah. I like that. Love All right, it. cool. All right, right. Let's take a peek at the actual workouts. So uh, day one, right? So look at how the, again, the, the time domain has increased. We've increased some of the loading actually to make it harder. So we've progressed the exercise demand and there's obviously 10, 10 exercises with less of a rest. So it's going to be much harder in terms of we've increased the density, we've increased the actual load, and we're probably increasing some of the set rep ranges too, because you're going to get through two longer sets, maybe of, you know, eight to 12 reps versus in the first one, it was probably like three, three sets of, you know, a lower rep because it was so hard to get, you know, reps in in 40 seconds. So um, goblet squat, push up, hollow flutters, alternating split jumps, um, split squats with a dumbbell. Uh, looking at this right now, I might be careful. I, I might have made an error in terms of putting those back to back. Two split pelvises might have been my fault. Um, renegade rows or bent over row, arch rocks, plate hops, double leg calf raises with a nice high releve hold at the end. That's dynamic stability, and then side plank leg lifts. Right. So that's my 10, 10 approach circuit for the second day, which is more of our flexibility prehab. Uh, it's just ten times they're going to be in their own little spot. You know, obviously at home, so they're going to be in a spot, and they need to work these as group. Uh, front kicks right and left side kicks right and left um, some passive uh, split work to do some uh, sliders out like put your socks on and slide in and out you know up and down on the floor um, mm-hmm. needle kicks uh, floor you lifts are just stomach angels so laying on your stomach lifting up from scapular kind of activation press overhead um, full turn uh, not on your carpet hopefully we you rip your foot up pike handstand taps straddle swim throughs uh, and then pike walks or inchworms or things of that nature so uh, just just maintenance care grunt work stuff you don't really have time to do in the gym probably because i want to have more i'd rather have 30 minutes of more bar and beam time and do this at home if they're if they're up for it then try to cram this in in the last second of practice you know what i mean 
Yeah. Um, and then lastly, this is circuit E. This would be our day two of our gymnastic or nine gymnastics, our general stuff. So weighted hip lift is our hinge. Follow-up progressions are on sliders, arch swimmers, stomach angels again, dumbbell step-ups, uh, pike handstand push-ups, jump rope mm-hmm. V-ups, in and out hops on a plate, dumbbell tiptoe walks, and around the world. And you notice that we're starting to bleed more gymnastic stuff into our general circuits. So that's how we get more volume of the gymnastic specific stuff. So now we have in our warm-up, we're going to do some gymnastic strength. In our stations, we're going to do some gymnastic strength. On our two days where we do circuits at the gym of all gymnastic strength, we're going to have it. And we're sprinkling in pike handstand push-ups, V-ups, right? Stuff like that. We're starting to probably look at like 70% by the by the sixth week for me is going to be gymnastic specific you know i'm starting to bleed more into the i want the gymnastic stuff to come back so that but hopefully by eight nine ten we're really we're really getting after it pretty well on the gymnastic side and also the strength side so any thoughts on that my man nope like you said it's 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 it makes it more and more clear doesn't it when it's like this is the aim and then these are the exercises you can see see the clarity of your thought process no mate brilliant i like it like i think um when you were talking about, you know, we're having to do more gymnastics specific stuff, because like you said, that's what you're preparing the athletes towards and that's what they're lacking. Mm. This is, this is also, you know, another focus of that phase, isn't it? We've done some of the general stuff and we are trying to make some of it a little bit more general uh, gymnastics specific, because that's the, that's the preparation period and that's what they're lacking. And that's, you know, as an SNC coach, that's my job is to prepare them for the sport. So, yeah, that, that would be my only thing to add from that. You know, great. Dig it. Yeah, so like, thinking about the timeline now, so now we're probably hopefully up to five days, of four days of training a week or five days with our, our phases. But on the calendar, right, we're probably three, four, five, six with a deload seven. We're looking at week eight on a calendar schedule, two months. On a periodization plan, we're probably in the fifth week of actual training load. Two weeks, three weeks on, one week deload. And then we're starting to run into our third cycle, quote unquote, month two, with a, yeah. lead, a lead on of that first week back is going to be, let's do the same thing we did to make sure we're, we're solid. And then we'll bump up to the next layer, which is going to be, we talk about last, which will be like the, the month two leading into month three, which is like, yeah, let's get it. We've had a solid eight week, you know, clay building process underneath our belt. We can start to really get into the stuff we want to do, which is when most people are going to be doing a lot more powerful skills, a lot more actual tumbling. So let's mm-hmm. zoom out here and let's go back to what we were doing before, which is, all right, now, now we're at, we've gotten that eight weeks of training under our belt. Kids are safe. Kids are doing well. Wellness scores look good. And we're, we're foaming at the mouth to do real gymnastics and to do like, you know, actual stuff and get back to normal, quote unquote. So in, in month two, month three, how are you thinking about transitioning this to more specific power work? How are you counseling the people on the balance between gymnastics work and strength work generally? And how much of that, you know, dial are you pulling up or pushing back? You know, I think... I think what, you know, the one thing I'll be considering quite a lot is, you know, from a physical perspective, I will have been leading quite a bit, talking quite a bit, you know, trying to discuss quite a bit. Uh, As the power stuff comes in, rather than seeing it as like flicking one light switch off and and one light switch on, like you said, see it as a blend of we're going to transition into some power work. And as that happens, you know, the coaches are naturally going to start to do some, some more of the more powerful things that occur in gymnastics as well. Yep. Um, what I will do from a, from a S&C coach point of view, from the coach side of it, is I will start to ease back a little bit and, and they, everything will be dictated more by the coach. Don't get me wrong, it normally is anyway, but yep. as in like, you know, when we talk about pushing and pulling, 
there'll be a lot less sort of pulling from me and I'll be sort of riding, riding along with that. And then what I'll start to do is supplement that amazing work that we've done and all of that patience as well, because it does take patience that has been shown to build a really good base. You know, that's when I'll start to be supplementing that with some power, some, some, some power work. So I'll be looking at rate of force development and getting the athletes to express that amazing strength that they've built but I want them to express it in a way that is going to transfer to the sport. And the way it's going to transfer to the sport is going to be if it's expressed in a very fast manner. Yep. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, the, the gymnasts will probably be lighting up at this point as well. So, <laughs> you know, they get to, they get to jump high, they get to have shorter contact times, they get to release things when they throw it, you know, they get to sprint fat as fast as they can. Um, and all things that I think all athletes, not even gymnasts, all athletes enjoy doing that stuff is they love expressing all of that hard work that they've done beforehand. And they, that's where I think normally your athletes and your coaches will sort of start to see the benefit of all that strength stuff. Yep. You know, prior to that, they're just trusting that that's, that's the right thing and, and, and we're going in the right direction. But I think the, the proof is in the pudding. And I think that's, that's the point where they see it. If you know, they, they can produce some really good stuff. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. I think the other thing that you, you mentioned, you glazed over really quick, but it's really important to mention is your, your cueing focuses and your, and your, your instructions to the athletes are going to change quite a bit, right? We're going to talk less about, let's get to these eight reps with high quality and make sure it's good, but you're working hard. And now it's going to be like, let's get these, um, these five reps, right? And let's, let's get after it, man. Put this med ball through the wall, right? Like I want you to like, think about hanging, tapping on like bars, like Corbett's like, man, I want you to be snapping real hard. I want you to, you've, you've earned the right to do this right because you've put in so much good work so i want you to really consider that you can actually get after it a little bit and you're not going to hurt yourself you've had eight weeks under your belt now where you've you've kind of gotten your your rust out you feel good you're you're feeling quick again like let's really put some some mustard on this yeah i love that um i might even steal that if i can get away with it but i think um yeah like you said the queuing so explode drive snap things like that you know like clicking your fingers banging your hands i think things that are going to create an emotive reaction in your athletes and is going to get them shifting. And we know for a fact, that's one thing that external cues do, you know, it creates that um, emotional connection to the the athlete and all of a sudden it can actually improve the speed of their movement. Um, and And it's really encouraging. Like it's encouraging language that you're using. So you were not talking about, Oh, you just need to drive your knee out a little bit more on this side. Right. You know, like you said, it's like, I want you to throw this med ball from this side of the gym Yep. down the other end of the gym <laughs> and it's like yep. you know i have jokey bets with my athletes about like if you can jump and touch the ceiling i'll give you my car keys <laughs> listen if it makes them jump high they can do it so um i think it's the the the, the queuing stuff doesn't get talked about very often the yep. language of coaching but yep. when you're talking about power stuff start to use emotive language and get excited about you, yourself and see see the effect that has on your athlete like there's nothing worse than like if you're trying to get an athlete to do a really good rebound from a, from the floor, say for a drop jump, for example, and you're using like really technical terms because you, you're just overanalyzing what is a landing and a jump yep. to, to an athlete that lands and jumps. Where I think if you're sort of saying, you know, I want you to try and jump and touch the ceiling, that's something that they can get on board with straight away. Cause they're like, I want to touch the ceiling and do yep. as you, you know, yep. do what you said. So, and also importantly on the reverse of that, right. Is when you first come back in the gym, that first two weeks to four weeks, if you're saying faster, go, go, go now, yep. now go. It's like, dude, you're, you're asking for, you know, a, a dog to fly. It's like, it's not quite there yet. You can't really expect someone to be super fast twitch, 
max effort going crazy hot and sweaty all the time fast 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 because like you haven't built built anything to do it with and the same reason like it would be ridiculous for someone like all right chalk it up full routines let's get it let's go for it like that's insanity and essentially from an athletic strength conditioning point of view is you're asking someone to do something that's probably um they're going to have some in the tank and they can muster through it because they're an athlete but you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get that sprint down the runway. You're not going to get that super explosive, you know, tumbling on, on whatever you're doing. No. And like you said, like the sort of language you use, like you said, sort of vice versa from the other end of it is, is a lot more technical, isn't it? Squeeze here. Think about this. Yep. Maybe next step, try and put your angle here. We're talking more internal um, because we need the athletes to start thinking like athletes again as well of, you know, this shin angle, this here. Now, you know, you're not getting into too much detail, but you're definitely reminding them of like shapes are really important. Squeezing yep. this at the right time is really important. Yep. Superman. All right, let's get back into the next one. So again, we're thinking calendar years, we're probably calendar years, calendar month. I'm looking at like eight to 12 to 16, somewhere in that range, right? I'm probably gonna go through two full cycles of power training. So three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off. And this will carry us through through month three or two into three. So quote unquote. So just to kind of peek here again. So this is again, our plan. This is what we're doing for our Massachusetts United States guidelines of COVID that will change. So we're at this point, right? We're looking down here now, probably, hopefully it's in, in this plot that we get, but we'll see how that goes with the spike in cases. Um, but when we look across all of these, first thing I want you to look at is over here, right? So this, this is our babies. I mean, these are tiny groups. So our little nuggets are coming back. Like we're a month, probably and a half into training, but this group is coming back a little bit later um, because of our time requirements. So they're going to start on the ABs, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our little kids in, in our, in our um, pre-teams or our younger levels are going to start on the cutest little 15-minute circuit once a, once a week, right? They're going to do that versus our wave of group in here who has been coming back and maybe a staggered start a little bit. They're going to be doing CDEs, right? They're going to be on that second layer of the block versus these kids that have been, this is probably going to be, again, don't look at the calendar itself. This is our planning, but we're probably looking at eight weeks from now. Um, that they're going to be like really available to do a pretty hard training session. So we might actually get into the five days a week earlier if the guidelines allow. But for for now, what we have is as of you know July, whenever we firm this at, at eleven o'clock, um, is four days a week and then a virtual session externally. So we're going to go four days of FGHJ and then put another deloaded day or block if we need so then. And whenever we get to it, whether it's in the end of August or whether we have it in the fall, who knows where we get there? But a full five day training load at full hours, which is our kind of approach. So now when we get down to here, again, remember that these are going to be two, maybe three days, right? In the gym that we can actually start doing these programs here. But in my mind, I want to set myself up for what's the the biggest plan to plan for, which is a full five-day training week. I want to know what to do, right? And so for that example, you're going to see two circuits, um, two or three, let me check here. Yeah, two circuits that are um, general, stuff are going to have more gymnastics in it. Three days are going to be effort on gymnastic strength and conditioning. So we're, these things you see like circuit G or H or G are now part of our event planning, right? They're not a separate virtual workout. It's like, we're going to do a uh, full event workout and then we're going to do our gymnastics specific work. And then we're going to end with maybe a flexibility circuit, right? And a three and a half hour workout or something like that. We're going to do a warm up a full strength and conditioning um, cycle after three events. And then we're going to end with 30 minutes of gymnastics basics. Or maybe we'll start with 30 minutes of gymnastics basics. So don't start now thinking about this is our only workout. We're going to be plugging in this 30 minute section as part of a three and a half hour workout. But I want to, again, plan for this is when all of our kids are back. All of our coaches are back. Everybody's jiving, right? So I want to be able to plug and play as people need. So yeah. 
Yeah. And again, you'll see the same thing are kind of building here, right? Like same basic movements, but now we're doing a squat rate of force development, something we're doing a squat jump, right? We're doing a horizontal push, but it might be a plyometric push up, right? We're doing anterior posterior core, but it might be a med ball slam because that's going to be much more aggressive or something of that nature, right? So we still have it built in and I, my, I'm crossing my fingers that when we get to this phase of things, um, we're going to actually be on our 1As, our 1Bs and stuff like that. And I'm going to just break this down into a full 45 minute strength conditioning program like I would love to do, which is that way. It really goes based on if we have um, space cleaning, we can be a little bit closer. We can share some equipment, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. in an ideal world, I'm back to normal with my strength conditioning programming, but fail safe. I don't want to get eight weeks down the road from now and have a plan that doesn't work out and I have nothing to work on. So same kind of thing here. You'll see F, right? F is going to be, um, we did not change the last tab setup, but this is not what I want. Same tempo, same kind of stuff because the exercise is so much harder, right? 45 seconds of squats versus 45 seconds of dumbbell squat jumps. Very different, right? 45 seconds of hollow rocks versus 45 seconds of med ball slams is very different, right? So a lot of the stuff is more power and a lot more anaerobic work. So it's gonna be a lot harder on the actual uh, energy system. So, right, squat jumps, push-ups, jump rope V-ups, very gymnastic specific for most of the stuff. Needle kicks, um, so fill in some active flexibility. Split squat jumps, um, and those can also, we, we thought about making these actually um, just split jumps in place on like a, a tumble track for active flexibility for women's or doing some, if you're a guy, you're thinking about doing some ring strength here or doing some P-bar strength or some pommel circles or something like that. So I know I obviously am speaking a lot of uh, women's language, but it goes both ways. Uh, renegade rows, because I always love more horizontal pulling volume filled in, med ball slams, plate hops, single leg calf raises now with that high releve instead of a double side plank uh, with a leg lift. So instead of just doing a side plank hold, doing a side plank with an active lift is, is much, much harder. So that is a, that is a hard circuit, right? That if you, if you put your kids through that and they can do it with high quality and get some reps in, that's pretty savage, right? So any thoughts on that one, Dan, before we pop to the next ones, which they're kind of the same, but it's, it's subtle changes, isn't it? But subtle changes make a massive difference. Yeah. If, you, if you're not too sure what the differences are, do, do the workout and you'll, you'll be highly aware of what the difference is, is, you know, that stuff's tough. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we were talking about them not being made of glass. You know, they can do tough workouts like that, and you've prepared them to do that yeah. by this point because all of that planning and all of this, you know, sort of thought process comes to this point. Yeah. Again, they've, they've earned the right anti-fragile eight weeks of the proper dosage of stress, the proper dosage of recovery, and tinkering and periodization, listening, communicating, emotional intelligence. You've earned the right to then give this hard training load, right? If you don't have those systems in place where you're – you just think that work plus work plus work is how you adapt. You're going to be sorely mistaken because people are going to break or get really upset with you because you, you don't have an emotional intelligence to say like, listen, I'm dying right now. I need a week deload. I need a day or two to catch up before we do more quad dominant exercises. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's F. And then you'll notice this is very similar. This is a prehab circuit or a, um, a recovery circuit. We might switch some of this stuff to be more um, PT, people call it PT. I think that it's really just like properly done accessory work, right? Whatever you want to call that. Um, I left this over here open. This is, um, was all gymnastics basics, but now we're looking at much more specific stuff. Uppers, lowers, handstand holds, weight shrugs. A lot of the stuff is from Nick, which I love. Slider crawls, hollow rocks, arch rocks, uh, more dance, um, L holds, press walks, press handstands, stallers. Like that's going to be, again, this is part of a larger three and a half hour workout, hopefully. And eight to 12 weeks from now. So we're, we're doing a full warm up with strength, gymnastic strength, three full events, and then we're ending on this. And this is probably a light day, right? This might be a medium day or a light day, which is where a one, our middle H is going to be a Wednesday for us. So 
that's a pretty aggressive light day, if you ask me, right? All that kind of stuff, plus a lot of this. So um, I is going to be another uh, active flex in prehab, but I'm not going to lie. We might change this to dance and make this come earlier in our um, weekly training plan based on a lot of factors. Uh, if we can get a dance studio, if we have uh, coaches who are available to kind of be there for that time slot. So we're actually thinking about more. If I was in the men's side of gymnastics, this would be like a, just a monster ring strength circuit and P-bar circuit for like, you know, um, 45 minutes and just getting after that or pommels and stuff like that. So, and then very similar to what we already talked about, um, moving our hinge to, this is kind of a squat hinge combo, but uh, our circuit is again, 10 stations, uh, same thing, 45 seconds with a transition, powers the effort here, rate of force development and also gymnastics specific stuff. So broad jumps, slider fallouts, we make fallouts harder by first starting on just like knees and hands and then moving to our feet in a tall rounded plank. It's much harder. Um, yeah. Heel drivers off the edge of a vault instead of doing arch ups. Now we're explosively trying to kick our heels up. Straddle jumps on a tumble strip or rod strip or a tumble track, depending on how you're feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. Alternating step up jumps, pike handstand push ups, just grunt work for gymnastics. V ups with a plus, some more plyometric, more lifting your butt off the ground, getting some real rapid force change. Pogo hops down the floor, uh, tiptoe dumbbell walks, and around the world, very aggressive cool work. So that is a five week program or a five day program, which we'll hopefully do. Uh, week six, week seven, week eight on a training effect. But when we think about the whole plan, it's been two weeks of an anatomical adaptation, uh, two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off, right? So we have six more weeks there. That's eight weeks. And then we probably have six uh, and seven and eight, a deload, and then another six, seven, eight and a deload. So all in all, this is going to take me hopefully up to three and a half, four months of the next plan yeah. going through September, October, when in that case, I, I'm crossing my fingers that we're back to our phase four full guidelines. We have a pretty solid handle on what our, our program is going to look like. So any thoughts on that, my man? Like I said, subtle changes make a massive difference. And then it, that, that program is truly fleshed out there. That's what you're seeing is like the dream, like basically that's Dave's dream. Yeah. Yeah. Little program right there. Right. Yeah. But you know, I think that's, he, he has his ideal and he's literally already said this might change to dance if the rules change, we need something that they can do at home. Yep. And that's the key thing is like, have your plan and, and, and have it in place for when these things do come where, you know, we're all adaptable as coaches. So mm. things can change quickly or it might be, Oh, we found a dance studio that we can get in. Cool. Yep. Well, yep. that's the thing that comes out off the go. Got yep. a great time with some dance yep. stuff. Right. And, that, and that's something that's really important as well for getting them back to gymnastics properly. So yeah, I think it, I think it's just, Th- th- that slide there like you said like the the workouts and the nerd tab i think you called it was yeah. it just shows you the timeline and you know it's not i've said you know flicking light switches on and off it's a very subtle blend of you know it started with two workouts and a and a b and then it's literally ended up with with five yeah and the exercises have remained very similar in terms of the movement but what you're getting out of it is totally different yeah um I, and, and that like my, my approach is super similar to that like i wish i had something to show you but we're not no. back yet yeah so, don't worry about it um but it would be it, it would be super similar is you know it would be planned out and be very visible i'm definitely potentially might be nicking the monopoly thing yeah. um but yeah i'll i'll fill you in on that another time <laughs> as yeah. long as i can still be the scotty dog you can get the car yeah i'll put your face on it um, <laughs> but no brilliant like i think you know it's it's always nice to share, you know, we have these conversations all the time. This is probably the first time we've had a conversation where it's been like recorded. Yeah. Yeah. But these are very similar of, of bouncing ideas, isn't it? And, 
and going back and forth with each other and what would you do? Well, very similar. Cool. Let's move on. Yep. No, I've enjoyed that a lot. It's yeah. been great. And you and I both, man, it's a plan for the worst hope for the best, right? Example, like this could literally be in a month from now, we could have an uptick in Corona and we pause everything and it goes yeah. back to, you know, we get stuck in these first two workouts for four to three days a week at only six to eight hours and cleaning, you know, it could be like that. And so it's reality, but at the same time, I think that these, um, these principles are, are your, your, I, f- I feel really solid that I, I could be adaptable on the fly and I can make things work. And I, um, I'm, I'm helping manage, um, my boss, Eva, who's amazing is helping manage the coaching staff. And we're a lot of moving pieces on this chessboard in terms of the groups and getting people in and out and cleaning and doing it all and trying to get something that resembles safe return to gymnastics. So the other thing I want to really highlight is that we talk so much about general stuff, but all in all, I think out of our 15 to 18 hours, bending in an ideal world, we get back to our full 18 to 20, whatever it is. All this is five to six hours, maybe seven hours of all of our stuff, right? So I, I always believe, and Nick has taught me this, and I think you feel the same way, is that a third of your time should be on physical preparation, the, the grunt work like this, and then you know a third on drills, a third on actual like gymnastics, like you know, skills and, and big stuff. So all of what you've heard is the plan for seven hours of a 20-hour week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're going to still have seven hours of bars, beam, floor, vault, and, and warm-up and conditioning and drills and stuff two full gymnastics days outside of that five-day plan. Whereas we do a prehab circuit after we do a 40-minute hardcore gymnastics, you know, strength session, which you might see in another gym. So like view it as a snippet in time and view it as a sliver and don't think that one, this is going to work for you. I'm not going to release this programming for free and just give it to people because you will mess people up if you try to do what I'm doing in my gym with my 25 athletes for your level 10 athletes that are above me, it's not going to touch their training effect. And for those kids that are lower than maybe where our athletes are currently lower in terms of time on getting back, not like difficulty, you're going to destroy those kids. So you, I really highly advise you if you've already downloaded this work, this workbook or whatever, or like the the video and you're trying to just like, Oh, we're going to do this tomorrow. Like stop, pause the recording, take a break. Like think about what systems and principles can I pull out here and make it for yourself? One, you're going to be such a better coach, strength coach, whatever it is, if you learn the systems and principles. And two, you can you can make it work for your kids and have a really good discussion about what fits, what doesn't fit. Maybe a third of this stuff is not going to work at all for you and you don't like it. Maybe you don't like these exercises. Maybe you don't like the way I program. Maybe you don't like, that's totally cool. I don't, I don't agree with everything that you say and what Nick says, not because I don't like you, but because we just have different environments. It's impossible for us to work the same program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like pump the brakes, take a minute, and then just remember like it's, it's your blueprint. Um, and you know, it's a discussion around how you were returning your athletes in your environment. Yeah. And, you know, although we agree on a lot of things, like you said, it's, it's important that people have their own and they, they have their own program because they'll believe in it more or they'll deliver it better. You know, the, there's so many, so many things. And, and the other thing you said earlier was just, that struck me as like, you know, there's, there's coaches in the gym that have so much to contend with and, and, and the reason I do what I do is to try and just take that little bit of stress away of what are we going to do with our strength and conditioning stuff? Yep. Like, and that's, that's the slither of the week that I take care of. And uh, because yep. I just, you know, coaches have so much to contend with right now. Yep. I think the last thing that, you know, a lot of them need is just to be left in the dark of where do we go with this? What are we going to do? How do we return them? Where I think if, you know, I would like to think that, that there's a lot of people out there who will be willing to take the, take the strain off that and have the expertise in order to lead that area. Um, I think that'd be super important to yep. sort of say and to sort of push as well as, is reach out and ask questions and, 
if you don't know how to who to reach out to like i'll answer you know as many questions yeah. as you can find my Same way here. so that's not here. there's no limit on there so yep. and i agree too like you gotta think about i mean i'm in a very unique position where i have a f- three different hats to wear i put my medical hat on i put my strength and hat on i put my coaching hat on and you know for half of half to three quarters of my workout is more of a warm up and let's just do gymnastics. Let's get after it with gymnastics drills and gymnastics skills and, and building you. And then I kind of take a break and I put my strength and conditioning hat on and kind of grind on that for the while. And then sometimes I need to be the medical person where I can, ah, oh, this is maybe got to change because it's a back soreness, mm-hmm. but you don't have that luxury. That's totally fine, man. I'm actually like sometimes uh, regretful that I can't just be a full-time gymnastics coach and just only do that stuff full-time. It's like a weird duality I have. Like I love both, so I do it. But you know, yeah. if you're just a strength coach or you're just a gymnastics coach, just dominate your lane, man. Drive a Ferrari in your lane, right? Crush that thing and just have your friends on speed dial at all times. Be like, guys, we need a weekly meeting. Let's get a Slack yeah. channel. Let's, let's socially distance at this park and let's go through our notes. Let's talk about what we're doing like do that do that because it will make you such a better person with whatever you're doing whether you're a coach and you're learning about gymnastics um strength conditioning or you're a medical provider and you want to sit and listen to the strength coach like man you'll be so good but you're going to build your own systems to use moving forward yeah agree with everything you said all right my man that was that was something real man that was a two-hour little jumper we're getting joe rogan territory right now but like man i thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it but like that's the conversation we got to have these deep, long, thorough, really explain it, dig in the weeds. Like if we had jammed that into 45 minutes, it would have been the worst ever because we would have blown it, you know, out of proportion in terms of like density. So I appreciate your time. No, it's cool. Like, like I said, I just, I hope people find it useful. You know, if you need anything, reach out and then just, you know, I'm always just thankful to just, you know, you talk about having great people at the other end of the phone. You're one of those for me. So it's, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to come and just chat shop with you really. But, um, you know, it's, it's been great. I hope people find it super useful. Bouncing around ideas, man, just learning all the time. That's what it's about. So where can people find you? What's, uh, what's up next for you in the next, you know, couple months? I know you got some stuff that you should definitely highlight cause you're, you're, you're beast mode right now. Yeah, we'll see really. Like obviously we're waiting on gym clubs to, to return at some point in the UK. So fingers crossed for that. And then, um, obviously I'm sort of most visible on, on Instagram yep. so that, you know, it'll be, it'll be under Dan Lonsdale. Great I beard. You'll, you'll find him when you find a great beard. <laughs> it's it's not a great beard i'll tell you that um if you ask some of my rugby players i've been teased intensely for it so um and then yeah just you know i have a website danlonsdale.com that you can go on um, and my email will be on there as well yeah absolutely man I, and i'll give you the plug because you're too humble but uh, dan mm-hmm. has an amazing resource for a lot of people who are either if you're a strength coach and you're trying to dabble in like you know pick up some remote hours or do something like man you should be you should be tearing apart dan's email um, but if you're a gymnastics coach and you're trying to maybe like, oh, maybe I'll step into the toes. You're like, I, I did that. I got my strength and degree after four years of coaching and medical stuff together. It's like, no, I want to do my CSCS. So if you're on that side of the fence, like I'm going to read, I read a lot of books in quarantine. I love this, but I'm looking to dabble and do it myself. Put that hat on me and be a, be a strength coach. It's great. But Dan has amazing templates that he's starting to work with. And I'm sure you're going to have a ton of stuff. When you start building your systems, you're going to put your stuff up too. So like bookmark Dan's blog, get on his social media and make sure you, you jump after what he's got. Cause he's, he's a great resource for many people who are either trying to get their feet wet in the gymnastics world or who are trying to learn it themselves. Yeah, exactly. And and that's my sort of big reflection moving forward really is to put more of this stuff out and, and make things more accessible. So I think the thing about the template for me was, you know, half your time planning shouldn't be making a template. So you yeah. can just have money, like save yourself some time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's also, I think that's a link on my Instagram as well. So I'll make sure that's on there after this as well. Yeah, buddy. And I'll make sure I get that people to in the blog. Yes, buddy. Thank you. All right, dude. Have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Take care, mate. Later. All right. See you later.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it. And uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.